is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. We're fickle, stupid beings with poor memories and a great gift for self-destruction. Although who knows, maybe this will be it, Katniss. The time it sticks. It's The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's the finale of our summer series. We have an incredibly huge list of notes to get to. So we're going to get right into it real quick before we get started. If you've been with us on this summer series, we hope you stick with us for the rest of our show uh, coming up. And, you know, as we keep moving forward with all kinds of other fun properties and movies and books. Also, we wanted to do this right here at the top because it is the finale of our summer series. You can head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit and support us there for two, five or 15 bucks a month. You get access to different things at each level. Figured we remind you one time at the beginning of the end here of our summer series in case you've been listening and you're new and you've been enjoying it go check out our patreon we got some bonus content and all kinds of fun stuff over there let's get into it it's time for let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up following Peta's dramatic rescue from the capital katniss heads off to district two to try and rally the troops she sustains a gunshot wound but ultimately the rebels are able to take the district Katniss then goes to the capital and ends up with a group that includes Finnick, Gale, and some other familiar faces, and later a still-recovering Peta, much to everyone's horror. After Boggs dies and gives command to Katniss, she lies and tells everyone she's on a secret mission to assassinate President Snow. The group embarks on a dangerous trek both through and under the capital, losing members as they go. Katniss almost makes it to Snow's mansion, just in time to see Prim, there as a rebel medic, get caught up in a bombing and die. Katniss struggles to come to terms with this, even more so because she speaks with Snow, who tells her that those bombs were dropped by the Rebellion, not the Capitol. Katniss realizes that if Coin ascends to power, nothing will change, and as she is set to execute Snow, she shoots Coin at the last second. Following this, Katniss is sent to live in District 12. Peta comes back as well, and eventually they are able to heal and grow together. The series ends with Panem apparently at peace, and Katniss and Peta playing with their two children. All right, there's a little summary for people who haven't read or watched recently, and now let's get into it. Our big three segments for our summer series, and we always start with Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Something that I missed from the beginning of this movie that was in the first half of this last half of the section of the book were uh, Plutarch's quote-unquote cheerful updates to Katniss about PETA and how he's been doing, particularly 
um, when they recount the story about uh, how Katniss got Prim her goat. And mm-hmm. apparently the only thing that PETA asked about afterwards was the goat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's very interested in what happened to Lady the Goat, who's never made an appearance in any of the films. No, I don't know. At least if not, maybe in a deleted scene or something. But never as like a a, a mentioned or pointed at (laughs) piece of the story. Um, And she's not not particularly relevant in any of the books other than the first one. And even Mm -hmm. that one, not super. But just, it's a a family goat they have that Prim has that they're able to sell milk from. And it's another way they have money, a little bit of money and a little bit of uh, stuff that other people do not. So we get a lot of the conversation between Peta and Gail, or at least some of the conversation, sorry, between, uh, Gail and Katniss about how she feels about him and about, um, uh, and how Gail feels about Peta and all that sort of thing. And we get a little truncated version of that in the movie, but there's a distinct line that I thought was really interesting in the book that they dropped and, and sort of several lines actually, and it's after uh, Katniss says to Gail that she always felt wrong kissing Peta because of Gail. And Gail says to her, if I thought this was true, I could almost live with the rest of it. And she says, it is true, but so is what you said about Peta, meaning that um, if he'll, she'll, which is one thing I think they do say in the movie is that if he doesn't get better, she'll never be able to let him go and that yeah. she'd always feel wrong being with him. And I like this line. In particular, the uh, if I uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is true, but so is what you said about PETA. I, I think it very distinctly and I don't know how good of a job the movies do with it. I, I mean, they do. But um, this was a line that really and this whole passage that's kind of not completely in the movie did a really good job of um, sort of showing the conflicted nature of Katniss's feelings for both PETA and Gail and how she doesn't really she does feel genuinely for both of them in different mm-hmm. ways but also doesn't it's I don't know um I, I liked it and again it they there's a little bit of this conversation in the movie I just think that and and overall and we'll talk about it obviously a lot more later but I think overall the movies just don't do a very good job of capturing what it is why it is that Katniss is conflicted between them mm-hmm. and it's not as simple as just like they're because in the movie we have we're not we don't we're not in her head so we don't know why she feels the way she does about them or why she, you know, takes the actions she does in regards to both of them. And I think that that is a major weakness or a pretty big weakness. And one of the reasons that I think people complain about the love triangle aspect of the movies. Yeah. Cause we did talk about in the last episode about how we don't think there's more of it in the movies, but I think what it is is that without her perspective, it, it feels more of like a generic, Yeah, it does. It feels a lot more generic. Like way more of a generic just love triangle as opposed to the much more complicated, nuanced version we get in the book that has multiple readings. You can read it as Katniss's ace, as we've discussed, um, or Arrow, or all all manner of different sort of perspectives can be read into her Mm -hmm. character in the books. And because, because we know what she's thinking, which we don't get in the movie, which is it's tough. I agree. And, and, you know, in regards to the love triangle in this property, it it is something that people complain about generally. And I think a lot of that is because we're fresh on the heels of Twilight. Yes. And I just want to say, 
how much of a better job I think that this book series does with a love triangle than Twilight does. Oh, absolutely. Because there is that nuance there, and it is presented as complicated, and even Katniss herself doesn't really know how she feels and what she thinks and why she feels the way that she does. Yeah. And and I do think that that is a large part of the reason that the movie's then less nuanced version does fall so flat because it feels a lot more akin to your Twilight type yeah. presentation. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, the one thing that we we don't ever get any of in 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 the Hunger Games series in this love triangle is neither of the the, the men are abusive or true. Um, like obviously terrible people. Like they both have flaws in certain ways, but they're not like obvious terrible like you shouldn't right. be with this person we don't have flaws. edwards and jacobs here yes no they they like i said they each have their own flaws in certain ways but they're not they're not like they're flaws that that are perfectly reasonable human flaws that like you can be in a relationship with somebody with and they can work on and not like they're abusive towards her mm-hmm. which is not the case in twilight <laughs> so uh so speaking of gail i think one of the things that's really interesting is that um and the movie obviously alludes to this is that it's his plan to to cause the avalanches to crack the nut which is the stronghold in the mountains of uh district two and it's his plan to create these avalanches and trap everybody in uh but the movie doesn't go to the same lengths of explaining necessarily what that all means i mean there it's implied that like a lot of people will die blah 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 but in the book they go into great detail like a lot of people will suffocate and like it's not just like we're gonna bomb it and some people will die it's like we're entombing all of these people yeah. in ways that are essentially you know the the geneva convention doesn't exist in this universe but that's a lot of kind of what some of the like things that gale and 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 the rebels get up to are things that would essentially violate the geneva convention and there's there's not that the Jim Kenshin is perfect or anything like that, but I, you know, that, that sort of violates our innate or sort of generally understood uh, ideas of what is like the proper way to wage war and what is like an acceptable way to wage war versus what isn't. Um, and in, and in the book, they, you know, they're like, you're going to, a bunch of people will suffocate in that mountain, you know, and they, they kind of allude to it in the movie, but Gail's like, yeah, that's uh, like, I'm fine with it. And like, he's like, not only okay with killing them, but okay with killing them in a very brutal manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually, another thing that doesn't come across in the movie in the same moment is that Katniss actually, again, because we can't, we're not in her head. She actually considers it. Before, I mean, she objects to it, and and lots mm-hmm. of other people do, but she actually he reminds her of all the horrible things, you know, the bombing of twelve, all the things that the capital and the people who sympathize with the capital have done, and she does have a moment of considering okay yeah maybe he's right which doesn't we don't get that brief moment of her considering it in the film yeah and i think that again lends itself in the book to the just completely morally gray and like morally impossible to to nail down situation that they're all in and the fact that you know our our moral sort of center of the story which is katniss does potentially agree is is leaning towards maybe agreeing with this plan ultimately she doesn't and she's not a fan of it and she does chastise gail for it but uh the fact that she considers it i think is an interesting nuance that i wish the movie had found a way to convey to convey and and it doesn't 
and another little detail of this when they're discussing all of these things and, and like how to go about waging this war that the movie leaves out is that BT has run the numbers and has looked at the population and says, we can't kill too many people or we're screwed. Mm-hmm. Like if we kill too many in this whole, you know, this whole war to 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 take, you know, to, uh, dethrone the capital and to and the, to bring democracy to Pan Am, we if we kill too many people while doing it, we will not survive as a civilization or as a country. Again, we don't know what's going on outside of the U.S. If right. anything, but Pan Am will not survive if we kill too many people. And I thought that was another interesting layer that they're because again bt becomes one of those people over the course of the novel and the movies less so in the movie because he's just not as much of a character but in the books he's mentioned a lot as he's kind of ends up being one of those like scientists whose creations are used for horrible things it's his bombs potentially Mm -hmm. that are the the big bombing at the end of the movie um it was potentially his bombs design that that was used in those and that sort of thing um, and so I, I liked adding that layer of him sort of bringing that other side of the scientific perspective of like, yeah, okay, like we, we, we got to win this war, but we have to do it in a way where we actually can survive afterwards, which is nothing that ever gets discussed in the, in the movies at all, which I thought was interesting, or at least not to my memory. There may be like a throwaway line, but I do not recall that. And another, uh, so the last little note about the nut and the cracking of the nut in the book that I like is that. In the book, it's not a so they they all they kind of suggest two plans in the book, which is create the avalanche and completely cover and and entomb mm-hmm. the 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 nut the, the the bunker, and then the other plan is to do that, but then also leave, but leave some of the exits open. Essentially, the train tunnels, which we see in the movie, where people are able to get right. Out essentially, of. the plan is to like flush them out, flush them out, and leave them an escape path. Lots of people still will die, but it's not a complete death sentence for everybody in there. Yeah. Um, and in, and in the book, I think it's really interesting because the movie doesn't even mention that at all. Uh, the, like those two ideas. And in the book, we don't know which they went with. It's, it's like presented and they say like the, the description in the book is like uh, a plan was agreed on mm-hmm. and then Katniss goes and like suits up and they go to do this thing. And we don't know until the last sort of minute what, yeah, or even after they, they do the bombing. And it, we watch it happen, and we still don't know what you know which plan they went with, like the more brutal one or the you know the less one. And I thought that was another interesting dynamic because it makes you hang on the moment and and be unsure of how you feel about it mm-hmm. because we don't know whether they went with the plan that we see as more humane or whatever. You know what I mean? I thought that was an interesting dynamic in the book um, that I think they could have pulled off in the movie. I felt they probably just felt it was a little too much, like detail for kind of the moment that they were going for but still i thought it was interesting so one of the other things with this whole plan to set off an avalanche that katniss heavily considers is that they're essentially creating a mind collapse Mm -hmm. yeah and when they do set off those avalanches she has a flashback to the day that her dad died in a mind collapse yes her and gail's dad they both died in that same collapse but yeah and I was really hoping that the movie would show us that. Yeah. Yeah. We, it really is interesting that they never once give us anything with her father. He's not a particularly super important character in the books. I mean, he is to the development of Katniss and who she is as a character. But I am really surprised we never get anything yeah. with him. There's like one brief flash of him in the first movie. Yeah. And that's 
basically is. Yeah, and he shows up in pretty much every novel in in flashback sort of memory form yeah. in different capacities. And it is interesting that they completely excised all of that because I, I think in this moment it does add a lot to the nature of what it adds a lot of gravity to what they just did and adds beyond obvious the obvious sort of um objections that Katniss has. Mm-hmm. It, it it adds another layer layer of trauma to it. Um and I think that juxtaposition of the fact that it's Gail who suggested it, who also lost his father in the same way, and that they two people who have that same history in the same situation come down on different sides of the right course of action here, I think is also an interesting layer to the story that yeah, the movie yeah. doesn't get into. And then the last, I guess this is maybe actually my last note about this um, is there's a conversation that she has with Gail at some point after they, they do the, the bombing and they have a discussion while it's happening in the movie, but I looked out for this line and I don't remember it. And, and it's a very distinct line that I really liked in the book is she's talking to Gail and he says to her, you think I'm heartless. And she says, I know you're not, but I won't tell you it's okay. Yeah. And I like that line a lot. I think it's a really well-written line to convey exactly the, <laughs> the emotion in that moment in very few words. I don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. I know you're, I know you're not, but it's, this isn't okay. Um, is a very, it was kind of, uh, heart-wrenching brutal uh de- like yeah well and I, I think it's a great exchange too because gail in that moment is being kind of emotionally manipulative yes he's looking for her to to to, to, to validate him or yeah. to 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 con- you know con- like tell him he's not the monster he feels that he is in that moment and she just will not play that game with no, him but she does kind of like she because you know she said i know you're not but this yeah. this is like, you know, it's a kind of getting across that idea that, you know, somebody can be you can do a thing that's awful or terrible without being an awful, terrible person mm-hmm. like as your whole. You can you can say or do a thing that is racist without being a racist per- like, the, you know, those things or what pick whatever thing. I think that's a, a very nuanced way to, to sort of view people, but also is unapologetic to him yeah and makes him reckon with his actions in a way that doesn't completely dismiss him as a human so the moment where she gets shot uh, we talk she goes to the train station in in district two after they do the bombing uh to kind of call for a ceasefire sort of thing uh and can try to convince people to stop fighting because the 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 nut is cracked essentially and the trains come out of the tunnel uh, and this scene overall, I have most of the scene in like movie nailed it or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even better in the movie. But the distinct moment where she gets shot in this, I was l- disappointed in the film's version of it um, because in my mind, the way it's written in the book, she says uh, something about expecting something to happen or whatever. And then she it's like the last line in the chapter. Instead, I watch myself get shot on live television and we find out that it wasn't the guy who she was talking to that did it. It was somebody else behind. Yeah. And in the movie, we just sort of, she's talking and the music rises and you expect it coming. And then we cut to a shot of a guy in the distance, stand up and, and shoot at her. And then she gets shot. I was very expecting her talking. And then you almost, depending on how you want to do it in the, in, in the film, like almost you don't hear the shot. Mm-hmm. She just looks down and realizes she's been shot. 
or and then you real and then like chaos breaks out or you hear the shot but you don't know what happened and then it's revealed because i'm just imagining a, a, a more surprising reveal because we think things are going one way yeah and then we it gets undercut and in the movie it sort of felt like they they spoiled the opportunity for a really dramatic moment there it still works it's still okay it just wasn't yeah. as like it's okay but it's not particularly interesting i think they could have done several other things like you said that would have been a more interesting way to do that yeah because i'm just envisioning that moment of like oh oh my god i vision in my head is like reading like a a graphic novel or a comic book where she's giving that speech and then you flip the page and you just see a panel where a bullet is like flying through her Mm -hmm. and and you know like the shock on her face like that's the focus in that moment and instead we turn around and we get we see them shoot. I think we even see them shoot before she gets hit. I, I need, and I would have to go back and look. I might be misremembering, but I've, if they definitely showed up them shoot at her before we see her get shot, huge mistake in my opinion. The reveal should have been the other way around. Like mm-hmm. she, we see her get shot and her reaction to it before we see, because then it's obvious when we see them stand up, a guy stand up right, with a gun. Yeah. We know he's about to shoot yeah. her. It's the surprise of the moment that is what makes that moment work so well. And again, it's not like it's completely a failure in the film. It's just not as cool as a, or not cool, but <laughs> not as uh, much of a surprise as I was expecting it to be reading the book. Um. So then she, um, she gets back to thirteen for a while mm-hmm. and Peta has requested to see her yeah i don't remember if that's actually what happens in the movie uh-uh. but well she does talk to him at she one does point. talk to him but it's they move a lot of that stuff around yeah a lot <laughs> of the first stuff is kind of shuffled around yeah. um but i like in the book it's kind of like morbidly funny when she goes in to see him and he kind of appraises her and yes. starts out this conversation with, well, you're not very big, are you? Or particularly pretty. Yeah. And it's because in this moment, he is convinced that she's not actually Katniss. Yeah. She is a mutt, like she's a, a mutation or whatever that the Capitol has created and and, and, and put there um, and replaced Katniss with her, basically. Uh, and I think that, yeah, it, it's a it's a funny line. It's kind of a darkly funny line. And there, there is some banter in the in that scene in the movie, but uh, that line in particular isn't there. Uh, in this same scene, we get uh, a, a back and forth between them, and it's out of the book, but the movie changes the line a little bit, and I think I prefer the book's version. In the movie, uh, Peta asks her, did people say you loved me? And she responds by saying, uh, they said that's why people tortured you, or mm-hmm. something like that. And in the book, she says, or Peta says, did you love me? And she responds with, everyone says I did, which I think is an, an, a more, there's more layers to that response yeah. than they say that's why people tortured you. They say a similar thing, mm-hmm. which is not her saying yes. It's her sort of saying that the situation sort of implies that that was the case. But something about everyone says I did. I don't know. I it's very simple, and I just it, it, it. There's so much to unpack in that that I I really prefer that to the version we get in the movie, but it's not a major change. The the yeah. sentiment is still pretty similar. I, I just don't think it's quite as interesting as it's done in the in the movie. I was also missing uh, the lines where Peta says, "I must have loved you a lot," 
And Katniss responds, you did. Mm. I, I think I liked their whole conversation in the scene better in the book. I agree. They they definitely shortened it for the movie, and it doesn't feel like it had quite the same level of banter mm-hmm. it, that, the, that the book did. And it, yeah, it felt a little more surface level, which makes sense because their relationship's a little more surface level in the movie, or feels a little more surface level because we're not in her head. Uh, and at the end of that conversation, when she leaves again, because we're not in her head, we don't get one of the recurring things in the early part or early, early part of the second half of this novel is Katniss when Peta hates her and, and is like convinced she's a monster is Katniss thinking she is because she feels that way about herself and what mm-hmm. she's become in this sort of situation that she's been thrust into. And I and I'm sure there's probably a line at some point in the movie there's lots of lots of little lines and conversations and I probably missed it, but where she does sort of voice that that fear of of being the uh, of PETA actually seeing her for the violent sort of distrust, distrustful, manipulative person that she thinks she actually is or mm-hmm. feels like she is. And I really like that dynamic of using using PETA's condition to expose that fear within Katniss because I think it's a fear that every a lot of people deal with in general of, of when people have a negative opinion of you actually believing it because you believe it yourself or fear it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I liked that dynamic and I don't think the movie did a very good job of if, if they even tried to, which I can't, again, there's so many details that I can't recall if they even tried to get that across, but if they did, I don't think it, it landed in the same way. Yeah. So after district two falls, they're discussing it. Now it's time to go assault the Capitol. And Plutarch is talking about how he's convinced that it, it will turn pretty quickly because the Capitol residents aren't used to going, aren't used to going without. And specifically, the thing he mentions is uh, what Panem is named after, which is the Latin Panem, a, a circumcens or something, circum, circumcens, circumcens, circumcens. I don't know. I don't, I don't speak know. Latin. I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> it, uh, which is bread and circuses. And that is what has kept the the capital people in line, not in line, but like, you know, that's why they've been a, a sort of um, willing and uh happy to participate in the subjugation of all these other districts and to live under the tyranny of snow and the capital people is or and the you know the the administration within the capital is because they've always had bread they've always had circuses the hunger mm-hmm. games and or and even beyond the hunger games just entertainment in general um and have always you know had ready access to all the food they could ever want and now that all of the supply lines have been disrupted they won't have that access anymore and Plutarch thinks this will affect the capital way more than it affected any other district because yeah. all the other districts are used to making do with less where the capital isn't yeah uh, it's a nice little acknowledgement of one of Suzanne's Collins inspirations for the novel series which was like the Roman gladiator yeah. games yeah yeah and it goes back to that and it, it makes a little sort of acknowledgement for people who don't know where the name came from yeah you know as you're reading it you might not have looked it up or whatever now you know it's bread uh, so then the movie takes us very quickly to finnick and annie's wedding mm, it just kind of jumps just, right to just it. jumps just like straight it. to the end of their wedding basically and we missed a couple of things that i really liked in the book yeah i mean too um, the first of which is that when Plutarch initially mentions using a wedding as like a propaganda piece, mm-hmm. Katniss has this moment of panic thinking that he means her and, her and Peta, Peta yeah. 
Um, but he he means Annie and Finnick. Yes. Um, and also, I really loved that the people in District 13 were super amped mm-hmm. about the wedding. Yeah. And we don't get any of that in the movie. No, they're like just, they're super excited about yeah. it. We're just in the wedding, and and one of one of the big parts of that is. The, the preparation for it, I love there's, like, Plutarch and President Coin have to, like, haggle over what gets to be in the wedding. Yeah. Or, like, what, how big of an ordeal it's going to be because, you know, Coin's very, like, it's got to be, you know, we're just going to go to the Justice of Peace and they're going to stay or whatever. And, and they're, like, haggling over, like, whether or not there can be a band or if there can be a buffet. You know, like, they're, like, yeah. going through and, like, figuring out, like... You know, Plutarch's lobbying for all of these like extravagant things and coins like no. And so they're like haggling. He's like, okay, I'll give you I won't have a we won't have a, you know, a a five piece string quartet. But we will, you know, like so they're kind of haggling over the details of the wedding, which I thought is interesting. And they go uh, to get a dress for Annie for the wedding. They end up going and it's kind of interesting. They go to Katniss. They go to 12 um, to Katniss's house and go through her closet of all of her dresses that Cinna made for Mm -hmm. her. Uh, and end up pulling one of the dresses from there, and that's actually what Annie ends up wearing at the wedding. And it is specifically mentioned in the book that Annie wears a green silk dress, and I read that, and I was like, nah, that movie's going to have her wear white because they're going to worry that we won't recognize she's a bride, and I was right. Yeah. Well, especially because we don't get any of the setup, so they kind of had to make it clear what was going on without... (laughs) Yeah. And we also get some District 4 wedding traditions mm-hmm. that we don't get any of in the movie. Like, they get married with, like, a net draped around them. Yes, that is true, yeah. Yeah, the, the, there's some extra little details of the, the traditions that are not in the film. And apparently District 12 loves to dance. They do love to dance. Which was not a thing that we've ever been made aware of. Not in, in the previous, previous books. books. No, not in any way. But in this one, we find out they love to dance. And we do get the dancing in both the book and the movie. Yeah. Um, but something else that we don't get is the wedding cake. Yeah. And also that uh, Greasy Say pulls Gail onto the dance floor. Oh, yeah. She's not a character in these movies. And no. she shows up a lot in this end of this I book. know. She's in this last book quite a bit. Quite a bit. Like, she makes several appearances. And um, it, it becomes a much more important uh, fixture of District 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she pulls Gail on the dance floor. And I was hoping we'd see some random old lady, like, yanking Gail onto the dance floor, which we do not. But yeah, they have a big giant wedding cake. Which was frosted by PETA, yeah. Katniss realizes. And this is kind of like one of the first signs that, not first, but one of the signs that PETA is, there's still, PETA is still in there, that it's not, he's not completely lost, mm-hmm. is that he still has this skill and this, um, you know, th- this talent that he's developed over the years, uh, which is, you know, frosting cakes and painting and all that sort of thing. Um, and when and, and uh, Haymitch mentions in the scene and, and again, this is where the book and the movie change orders around, because I think at this point in the movie, she's already gone to see him. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the book, she hasn't. And this is when Haymitch tells her he wants to see you. And this really throws a wrench in her plans because her whole like she has written off PETA completely at this yeah. point in the book. Like he's he's not coming back. He's never getting better. He's going to stay, you know, like a, a kind of brainwashed um, weapon. And that's just what it is. But when Hamish is like, he wants to see you, it throws a whole wrench in her plans because she's 100% committed to just going to the Capitol, killing Snow, and then dying in the ensuing, yeah. you know, ruckus or whatever. And uh, this this puts a, uh, a slowdown on that plan. Um, and what also puts a slowdown on the plan of going to the Capitol is that the District, District 13 is like, you can't go to the Capitol. 
And this is actually an interesting thing. So the movie skips all of this. And we kind of got some notes about it here. But the movie skips a whole bunch here. This yeah. is where the, the biggest change is. Yes, is that for sure. We just jump from the wedding straight to her going to district or to the Capitol. Uh, and then it's very similar after that. But there's a whole section, 100 pages or maybe not that long, but uh, of her having to train to be able to go to the Capitol. Yeah. And one of the details I really like in the moment where they tell her she can't go the first time is that there, and it, and it's, we mentioned this in the last episode, the reason she can't go is because she hasn't been doing any of her training. And we were like, well, she doesn't have any repercussions <laughs> yeah. for her training. And she actually has are. some repercussions. <laughs> she can't go fight in the Capitol because she hasn't been going to training. But she has a, a thought to herself. Um, and I don't think she actually says this, but uh, she thinks to herself, I'm the best shot you've got. I don't usually or no, she does say that to them. I think mm-hmm. she says, I'm the best shot you've got. And then she thinks to herself, I don't usually, usually brag about this, but it has to be close to true. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that line. And I was hoping that line would make it into the movie and it does not. Um, but we find out that Joanna also can't go, which we do find in the movie. And they have a discussion about it about how they can't go, and they sort of make this agreement to go to the training together and do it together. But Joanna says, you know, if they still at the end of this aren't able to, you know, be deployed or whatever, uh, Joanna says, I'll kill a crew and fly there myself. And Katniss responds, nice to know I'll have a ride, which is a nice moment between them. Um, And the movie definitely changes the dynamic between her and Joanna yeah a lot yeah because it kind of cuts everything we're talking i mean the dynamic between them is just kind of vaguely similar to what it was at the end of catching fire i feel like it's it's actually it's it the dynamic between them in this movie is the same as it was before the line i just like before this moment where they kind of become friends yeah and realize they've gone through a lot of the same things and and have a lot more in common than they thought um, their dynamic is more adversarial and um, that sort of thing. And the movie just kind of leaves it there, kind of. Yeah, like kind of. kind of have a little moment at the wedding where they, they like come to a bit of an understanding, but it's more so like Joanna kind of like goading her into going to the Capitol yeah. to, to fight because she can't, whereas in the movie it's more of a, or in the book it's more of a, an agreement between the two of them to try to do it together because it's something they both want to do and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, but they have a big training. Yeah, we montage. get a, a training montage in the book. Um, they go through all this training together, puking, running. Yeah. Um, there are some nice moments in there where like Katniss helps her with her gun when her hands are shaking. Because she's like coming down from uh, morphling. Yeah. She's like withdrawing from Morphling. Yeah. So she's going through shakes and stuff, and Katniss is helping with that. Um, and they have this other conversation which doesn't make it into a into the, in the movie, which I really liked, where they're talking, Katniss is talking, they're talking about PETA, and Katniss says to Joanna, he's changed. And Joanna says, So have you, so have I. Like everybody has changed. Mm-hmm. Like we're yeah, he's changed, but who like <laughs> going through a war, we're all different people than we were, you know a week ago uh, and i really liked that sort of reminder to katniss uh there's a several moments like that in the in the book that we'll talk about another one in a little bit but mm-hmm. and then uh, they become roommates which is fun yeah but at the end of it there's or the first night they're sleeping together uh <laughs> joanna says you aren't afraid i'll kill you tonight are you <laughs> and uh and katniss responds with like i couldn't take you which i thought was fun <laughs> 
I loved the yeah, I loved that they become roommates. Like I feel like all I want right now is a quirky roommate comedy. Yeah. About Joanna and Katniss. Yeah. Like and I loved that the movie gave her that female friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the, the book, book gave yeah, it book. to her. And the I, I hate that the movie just completely yeah. cut that out. Like I I get it. There's a lot happening in this. We want to get to like the action. But it's not fair that she doesn't have a female friend. No. And I think they really could have. The movie's not overly long already. Like, it's yeah. two hours and 15, 10 minutes or so. I really think they could have added another 10 minutes and shown a little bit of this mm-hmm. in a way that still would have worked fine. And maybe in the deleted scenes or something there is. I don't think so. But because um, it, it wouldn't make sense with how she gets to the Capitol. Yeah. Like they would have to do it the way the movie did it. If they like they're I don't know how you would add deleted scenes in there that are more similar to the book with the ultimate result being she still sneaks to the Capitol. So um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a mistake to cut that out. I get why they did it, but I'm not a big fan of it. That change. So then we get a scene where uh, they're all hanging out in the cafeteria. It's a big merry band, mm-hmm. uh, Katniss and Joanna and Finnick and Annie and Gail and Deli Cartwright, who's not in the, not movies. In the movies at all. <laughs> and then PETA shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And he just shows up. So this is he's been going through his sort of, you know, recovery. And he just randomly walks into the cafeteria one night while they're at dinner. And I was like, I really felt like they should have cleared that with Katniss right? before they did that. But at least give her a heads like, up. Yeah. Just give her a heads up. Like, by the way, the guy who tried to choke you to death a week or two what however long i mean a couple weeks at this point uh he's gonna be he's gonna be coming to dinner like <laughs> just a heads up <laughs> like just you know so she's not like completely blindsided by it. it felt really dumb they do a lot of things with his and now some of that is kind of on purpose right with, with coin and her yeah machinations motivations and, and, that, and all that sort of thing but it is one of those things that still felt like they would still even with that being the case like Hamish or somebody would have known like Hamish yeah. seems rather involved with PETA's you know yeah recovery it seems like he could have like shot her a, a message like hey by the way PETA's gonna be coming out <laughs> just a, just a heads up and in this interaction he has a line that I thought was really interesting is uh I thought was pretty fun is that he he's trying to make a joke maybe PETA is Finnick and this is after Finnick and Annie are married and Finnick is there and Peta says to uh, Finnick, be nice to her Finnick or I might try and take her away from you. And the delivery of it and everything is completely wrong. Like the tone is all wrong and everybody's like really like off put by it. And Finnick responds, oh, Peta, don't make me sorry. I restarted your heart, (laughs) which I thought was a fun (laughs) moment. But I did like, too, that that I, I would have liked a scene like that of. Because it's one of those moments where it's it's some it's like that sort of complete inverse of Peta's character to how he used to be, mm-hmm. and that he's clearly has is not back to a place that's like where he should be. Yeah, um, it, because he's you know this this uh, this kind of like joking like if he had delivered it how Peta normally would have delivered that line, everybody would have chuckled and like it would have been fine. But because he's not. He's not quite PETA yet. Not quite PETA yet. It does not come across the right way. Yeah. Um, So then Joanna and Katniss 
take like a test to yeah to complete their training um so that they can get like officially put into a combat unit yeah um is what the goal is and the final test um is forget what they called the it block. the block they that's have a right. they have like a simulation center in district 13 yeah. that's like a one one city block of the capital that they can you know it's like do simulations in, right so each person goes through and it's a different test for each of them and it's designed like to test some Your specific weakness that they have yeah. and it's funny because ahead of time she's thinking about what she's trying to like consider what her weakness might be that they're going to test and she's like going through a list of things like her or the fact that she's not doesn't have like brute strength like she's mm-hmm. not particularly like you know muscularly strong or that um or something like it goes through a handful of things um that she thinks it might be and my thought that i thought was really funny in this moment is i thought she was gonna i was like oh the thing it's gonna be is that is that and and it's the thing she didn't think of which is really silly to me is that it, it, it the weakness is going to be her um her like inability to not help other people mm. i thought it was going to be a situation yeah. where somebody was going to need help but it but it would be like a lost cause or you know something right. where like she couldn't help them or or not helping them is the right choice you know in terms of or something like that but she would do it anyways and that would be it but that's not what it is yeah her weakness ends up being that she can't take orders yeah yeah they basically test her and um it's similar kind of to what i said but yeah they they like giving her orders and then she realizes that she does, she wants to disobey them, but she realizes that's what the test is and yeah. obeys the orders and passes. Um, so she gets put on a special unit of sharpshooters mm-hmm. with commander Boggs. Yeah. Who we still love. Yes. Um, and there's a little note in the book that I thought was funny. Everybody yeah. else upon passing is getting these like traditional military haircuts. Like buzz cuts, yeah. yeah. Um, but she gets to skip the military haircut because they want her to keep the signature Mockingjay braid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all of the all of the that that group does. Yeah. F- because we find out they're going to be on camera, so they get to keep their hair. They don't have to get the the military buzz cut. <laughs> um, but Joanna does not pass her test. Um, she. Uh, so they flood the block mm-hmm. when she does her test, and she has like a panic attack in the middle of it because it turns out that that when she was captured at the Capitol, um, they were torturing her with like water and electricity. Yeah. yeah, and that's what yeah. So she ends up kind of seizing up and not being able to complete the test, and that's also what Katniss realizes because there's a little detail earlier. Katniss makes like thinks to herself um, about like how dirty joanna's fingernails are or something mm-hmm. and about make like thinks it makes a remark in her head about how people in district seven must not shower or something like that yeah um and then she realizes now in this moment that it's not that the reason she hasn't been showering or or that she didn't like going out in the rain is because she's kind of become hydrophobic since uh since the torture in the capital yeah and another little nice moment of friendship between them is um joanna looking at all of like katniss's little like trinkets mm-hmm. and like memorabilia and things from her family which we do get in the movie yeah she we does see joanna looking at, that, look at stuff. that stuff um but then katniss goes out and finds like pine needles mm-hmm. and bundles them up and makes like like a little like, like potpourri, potpourri ball, ball thing, thing yeah. um for joanna to remind her of home yeah and uh 
Yeah, and it, and it's to actually just give her something because she realizes she has nothing. Like, yeah, she has no of like personal belongings basically. Yeah, um, yeah uh, that's a really nice little moment. Um, but it is interesting. She makes Katniss swear on her family that she'll kill Snow, which broke that <laughs> promise. So. so when we ultimately do get to the capital. Well, I think this actually happens in the book before they go to the Capitol. I don't remember. It does. It happens, yeah. They're discussing it in 13. Yeah. Um, so they, they pull up these maps of the Capitol where they can see all of the defense pods, mm-hmm. which are like booby traps, basically. basically. Booby traps, yeah. Um, and in the book, they're looking at this, and Katniss and Finnick, as former games participants yeah. are able to just like look at it and like, be like that's an arena yeah we're going back into the hunger games um which we do get one of the the lines that that they change they it, say later yeah. they change it where phoenix says uh ladies and gentlemen let the 76th hunger games begin yeah yeah and we do get that line a little bit later but uh, in the movie they just tell us that it's basically a Hunger Games arena. I missed that. So Lime just says that. Commander I think Lime, it was either Lime or Paylor. I don't remember. Yeah. Which. I think it's Paylor because she's yeah. giving a speech at one point in front of a. Yeah, and she shows the map. I think you're yeah, right. I, I think, think it, it was Paylor. Um, but yeah, they basically just like tell us. Yeah, I do like I. So I had this in the movie nailed it because it is very similar. Or the the re- the revelation of the traps and everything happens slightly differently in the movie, but it's fairly similar and and the and again they kind of split it into two parts like in the movie in the book mm-hmm. it's all one scene where they they see the map they explain the pods and then they're like it's the hunger games let the 7600 or you know it's an arena and then we get the line in the movie that's split into like two scenes where they introduce the idea of the the pods and yeah. whatever in this first part and then we have a second scene later where they're finally getting ready to go into the capital where they um where finnick has his line the other thing that i thought would was uh that i missed from the movie that or that i missed from the book that wasn't in the movie is after finnick says let the 76 hunger games begin katniss says but this time it won't be like the others this time snow will be a player too which is a fun line mm. i thought they could have added like her addendum yeah they could have they could have had her yeah say just that. like this time snow's playing too or something but one of the things that the movie doesn't really get across is that during this time when they first get to the capital is that they're spending all their time doing nothing like Mm -hmm. this comes across in the movie they are like the star crew they're they're there just to film stuff but everything in the movie is the timeline feels like it's condensed way down which often happens in movie adaptations we've talked about that a lot in past uh in past adaptations uh, of other things but in the in the book they're there for like days and days and and all of the whole story the whole second half of this book takes place over weeks if not months whereas in the movie it feels like it takes place over the course of like a single week or something mm-hmm. like that uh, and one of the things that she she kind of ruminates on while she's in the capital uh, while they're deployed in the capital at the beginning is that they actually have her in her military uniform as opposed to her Mockingjay armor, which in the movie she's primarily in her Mockingjay yeah. armor. But in the mo- in the in the books they they have her in her military uniform and she's using a gun instead of her bow and she's like thinking about how there must be all kinds of arguments going on in 13 about what the best way to portray her in the propos is about whether or not like them arguing over mm-hmm. like no she should be in her mockingjay armor and using a bow and there are people like no she's a soldier she should you know like i <laughs> i liked the idea of that 
again, because uh, propaganda and and the sort of uh, the way that her being a part of that propaganda takes away her agency is such a, an important sort of through line of all these stories. Um, I thought it was I thought that little detail in the book was kind of interesting. Uh, and I, I wish they had added some level of that in the movie. Um, and another detail that I'm not sure is super clear in the movie until maybe the end or even then, I don't know, is that the capital, because they make this clear very early in the book or very early in the second half of the book, the capital has like no air, uh, air force left. It's yeah. like all gone. And, um, the rebels can't use any of their air force because they have enough anti-aircraft weapons in the capital. And so the, the war, that's why the, it's all ground troops. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the movie ever explains maybe in Paler's speech. And I just missed it while she's talking about other stuff. Cause that feels yeah. like the moment where it would have been explained. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was a, just a little detail that made it like clear why they're like walking through the city as opposed to just like bombing right. things. I don't know. A little, it doesn't really matter, but did this book describe the buildings in the Capitol as being colorful, or am I imagining that? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember, and I don't even know where I would look to try to yeah, figure that out. Either. But I, I feel like I have this memory of some of the buildings being described as like candy colored, and the movie's version is basically just like an art deco city which I assume is a reference to, like, Nazis. Yeah, pr I mean, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But. I, I, it, de it definitely doesn't jive with the with the, the sort of style we see within the Capitol in previous yeah. movies and the style of the people themselves, that the buildings are so sort of generic yeah. and bland. You would think they'd be a little bit more... Like, ostentatious? Yeah, you would think. But, yeah, who knows? Um, and I think you're right. It is just to, to sort of evoke a more authoritarian sort of traditional authoritarian mm -hmm. dystopian feel. Um, and I think it works OK, but it's yeah, I, I don't and I don't but I don't remember in the book what it's actually described as. I have this here and better in the book, but as I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I dislike it in the movie. Um, in the movie. Uh, Peta just shows up there. They've been mm -hmm. in the Capitol for a while. And in the book, they've been there for like a, a week or two at this point. And in the book, one of the two leagues, which are these twin sisters yeah, um, who are like sharpshooters, one of them ends up dying, gets killed by a, a pod that wasn't on the, on the map they have or whatever. And then they send a replacement and that replacement ends up being Peta in the movie. They just randomly send Peta one day. Like he just shows up. Again, I think ultimately it doesn't really matter because the motivation yeah. is coin just wanting right. to throw PETA into this fire, like to throw, you know, to throw PETA at Katniss and see what happens. But I did like that there was at least a reason, like a, a fake right. reason in the book. Like she at least well, had a co the cover I, I of think, a reason. I think coin is smart enough to wait for there to be a cover yeah. of a reason. So that kind of bugs me. Um, I, I, I feel like we hadn't seen enough of PETA at that point in the movie for it to make any sense yeah. for him to just show up. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is at that least in the book, we've seen him kind of make a little bit of progress. Yes, we've seen a bunch of like, again, because the movie cuts so much of yeah. what happens in District 13. 
uh, in the beginning of the second half uh, with like the training montage, like because during all that training and stuff, we're hearing updates on PETA and like what he's up to, and 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 we have more interactions and and hearing about how well he's doing and how he's not doing. We're getting those interactions with him in the cafeteria and stuff, and so we're seeing the progress that he's making and where he's not making progress. And yeah, in the movie, he just kind of shows up. Um, I I will say that the I don't mind it in the in the movie because I do like later on league both league one and two are still alive when they make mm-hmm. their their push into the the capital and when everything goes haywire after bogs dies yeah. and i like that change with that there and i think it makes sense having both of them be alive for the events that happen later makes sense yes i and agree so i like that i guess maybe they could have killed off one of the other random people we don't know like <laughs> they could have just added like a random or character whatever. like there were there yeah. several characters who were, done, yeah. they introduce them and then like that one guy well he's the guy who gets caught in the net i think or whatever yeah um, I think you're right that Peta kills but yeah i i feel like they could have just done a different if they wanted to keep le- both leagues alive they could have killed somebody else off to replace him with and i also think that would have up the stakes a little bit in terms of like because at this point there's the whole thing feels like a farce to them right and so killing one of the crew members at least adds a little bit of danger yeah i agree like a hint of danger to what they're doing i don't know yeah i i thought that was kind of a weirdly handled in the movie i think it still ultimately works for what they're going for but and when he shows up i thought this was interesting again all of our and and this is not even the worst of it um but the movie uh, softens all of our characters quite mm-hmm. a bit, especially our main characters, our protagonists who we're supposed to identify with. They, they tend to be a little less um, uh, brutal in the in the in the movies than they are in the books. Because when Peta shows up in the book, uh, Gale just immediately offers to kill him. He's like, "I'll yeah. kill him if you want me to." And I thought that I was like, "Oh God, okay." Um, but then right after that, this is a really, really important scene that I'm surprised they left out. Is because Katniss is like, you know, she's she she's really upset that Pete is there and she's um considering killing him himself and blah blah blah, all these things. But then she ends up having a conversation with Hamish. And I don't remember how it what it's Yeah, I don't remember in how that book. transpires. But at some point they end up having a conversation and Hamish talks some sense into her and and like reminds her that none of this is Peter's fault. Like and that if the situation were reversed, he'd be trying to help her. Oh, absolutely. And and, and not, you know, not being an asshole to her or not, you know, being like trying to figure out a way to kill her or anything like that. Um, and I thought that Hamish being that voice of reason, that voice of empathy and reminding her. Oh, 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 you know, of just reminding her what's going on. And, and and because it is very easy in a situation like that, she's looking out for herself and and Peta did try to choke her to death. And like, it's very, her emotions are understandable. Mm-hmm. But having that third person perspective to kind of ground and remind her of why Peta's in the situation he is and all that sort of thing. And it's not his fault. It's not his choice. And, and yeah, think about if it were reversed, what would be happening? I liked that scene a lot in the book and I was really disappointed they didn't include it in the movie. And it's a little detail, but while Peta's with with the squad, um, Finnick gives him his rope, which his little knot tying rope, which mm-hmm. is this thing that he uses to help sort of soothe himself. Um, we saw it, it was in the last movie. Yeah, like, we see it in the last he's movie. He's using it when him and uh, Katniss have that conversation at one point. Um, so I was kind of surprised that they didn't keep that little detail. Because again, it's not even something you have to do. You no. can just have him have the rope and be tying knots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, And then it's very clear, like for book readers, what that was. I'm just surprised they didn't do that. 
Another little brutal thing that the movie left out was PETA bringing up witnessing um, Darius and Lavinia. Yeah. Who were the two AVOXs that were in their rooms in the, in the Hunger Games. Yeah. And which we've mentioned in both of the other episodes, or at least the first episode. Um, well, no, both. Because yeah. uh, uh, Laver- Lavinia was the first was in the first book and then and Darius, Darius was, was in the, the second, second one. Um yeah, and, and now they haven't been in any of the previous movies, so I think mm-hmm. that's the main reason this is dropped. But we find out that they were both tortured to death in the prison while Peter was there, um, and he recalls this. And he uh, th- this is while they're playing the real, not real game, and he asks if this is real or not real, and Boggs says, as far as we know, that's that happened. Like, that's true, yeah. which is really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the scene where Boggs dies is pretty good in the movie like relatively like you know true to what happens in the book there's some slight changes the main change that i was really surprised that they made is that in the movie they're they're trying to clear a trap they clear a trap and then boggs like walks down the street or down this little walkway uh, and then we cut to katniss who's looking at Peta, and Peta's like freaking out mm-hmm. um and kind of dealing with some, you know, PTSD kind of things. And she's looking at him. And then we just see in the background blog, like the mind go off and like Boggs gets blown up. And it, the thing that I thought, the thing that was so striking in the movie and it's, and, or in the book, and it's so classic war movie that I was really amazed they didn't do it. Is yeah. that in the book, they're like laughing. They're trying to, they're like doing takes. Cause they're like, this is all, they're just filming like propos or whatever. And so they're like, they're like doing their lines and they're laughing about being bad at their lines. And like, they're all kind of like having a good time. Like, or, you know, they're like as good as a time you can have in an active war zone. Like, <laughs> but they're like yeah. joking around and like having a jovial moment. And then blog bog steps on a mine and everything goes to shit. Yeah. And that is such a, it's such a classic war movie thing. Like it, that is like every war movie has that moment where they're all like joking around and then somebody dies like out of unexpectedly <laughs> that I was really blown away that the yeah, movie changed surprising. it because it is such a trope in war movies. And, and it's a trope for a good reason. Cause it, it obviously, you know, it, 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 the time when you're least expecting it, you're feeling safe, you're feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when something horrible happens. Um, and so I was kind of surprised that the movie changed it to where they're just kind of they're they're clearing the street they're not like joking around they're not it's not like a light-hearted moment or anything they're just i mean it is still unexpected but it's not the same level of like pulling the rug out from under you yeah that the book is yeah and so i was really surprised they did they did it the way they did but so i i did prefer that in the book even though it is a bit tropey a bit cliche i still think it's a cliche that works um for really a quickly sort of establishing stakes and pulling the rug out from under you in a way that's just really uh, hard to deal with. Um, So following that, we get a lot of stuff that was pretty spot on. Um, We have all that stuff in other Mm -hmm. sections and we get the, the tidal wave of like black goo, tar stuff. stuff. And you had this in the movie, nailed it. Yeah. I feel like I pictured it differently. I guess I pictured it differently. I agree, but the movie nails the, the the most of it, like the point of it. Right, but like they're they walk, they're able to walk back out 
over this this stuff because it's dried. They yeah. like hide it in an apartment building and they're able to walk back out over it. And I I pictured it like higher. What do you mean? Like like in the movie, it's basically just a thin layer over it's like the a coat ground. Of paint, yeah, yeah, like a coat of paint. And I pictured it like like. Yeah. Yes, there's. Well, they, they do mention that. It, yes, they do mention as they go. It gets. It gets. It, at one point when they first start, it is there's like several inches, if not like a foot of it, on the ground. Yeah. Yes, and then as they go, it gets. They get further away from where it started. It gets uh, shallower and shallower to where the, what the, they get to the end of the street or whatever, and it's it's now like down to like uh, you know a millimeter of it to what to what we basically see in the movie. Yeah. And so I agree that part is slightly different but to me i thought that the reason they don't do that is because it'd be very difficult like in the Mm -hmm. movie they just spray paint everything black basically um and it still serves the same purpose and i actually think like they captured a lot of the part of it that that in my head like it up on the sides of the buildings and the bodies covered in it and all that captured enough of what i was seeing in my head reading the book that i didn't need the fact that they were trudging through a few inches of it like that wasn't as interesting to me to where it didn't really matter because it's still it still um covered their tracks like it didn't leave tracks when they walked on it right so i thought i was fine with i thought the movie kind of nailed that i mean i also pictured it and i i think this is in the book i don't remember it kind of being like bouncy yes, almost it is and again i think that's more a and i understand that that would have a, been a limit a physical limitation and like a, a i just kind of wanted to see it yes yeah yeah i get it I, I i do get it um i just think i i was looking at it more practically like how they could accomplish it and right i'm not saying they couldn't have done like what is described in the book it just would have been way more difficult and i think what they did in the movie still gets across the point pretty similarly without like blowing the budget on like filling a city block full of a, a foot of like you know um <laughs> they would have that like because because uh, like what i kind of imagine is um what's that stuff uh when you mix like cornstarch and um oh yeah it's like just, the gack or whatever you yeah. know like like yeah, like yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like it's like a non-newtonian liquid where you can stand on it and if you're walking it's like hard but if you step on it long enough you sink into it but then you can yeah. pull back out yeah that's kind of what i'm imagining and they could have done that i just think it i don't know yeah i mean i, I get not blowing the budget on yeah. it yeah i just wanted to see it uh so then they camp out in an abandoned apartment somewhere in the capital yeah and they find some like canned Canned food that this person had been hoarding um and we get a nice moment for pita Mm -hmm. i was really surprised this wasn't in the movie yeah Uh, this would have been so easy yeah um so they're they're going through this canned food and pita katniss had like picked something up to eat and then pita hands her a can of lamb stew Mm mm-hmm yeah, which is her favorite food yeah. from the first one she talks about. And, and again, now, to be fair, I don't, the movies had never established that. Right. So it wouldn't have really made much sense to movie watchers. But they could have still done that, and that would have been a nice moment for book readers. I, I 100% agree. I had the same note. That yeah. wouldn't have been distracting no. for moviegoers. Yes, I agree. It wouldn't. It would not have distracted anyway, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, in the first book, she, she mentions that the lamb stew with the dates... In it, or I think it's dates, mm-hmm. um, is like her favorite dish, and she she eats it like all the time in the capital. And Peter remembers that. So, and then another nice moment for Peter that the movie dropped 
um, when they end up going down into the sewers. And we have uh, Pollux. Yeah. Who is an Avox. Yeah. And he had previously worked down there um, and is kind of having a little bit of a panic attack, not super happy about being back mm -hmm. down in the sewers. And PETA kind of releases the tension yeah. by by saying well then you just became our most valuable asset yeah and is more back to like a, a pita-esque delivery yeah, of I, that line i had the same note it's not here i think i might have had it in a different section accidentally but i had the same note when i was uh, upon watching that 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 line where pita kind of breaks the tension yeah and kind of reassures everybody in his sort of yeah um in a in a pita-ish way pita-ish like sort of um I, I can't even think of the right word. Not it's not sarcastic, like lighthearted humor, but it's kind of. I, what is it? I don't even know. There's a word for that type of humor, and I can't I can't place it. Doesn't matter. But yeah, I I I, I agree. I, I missed that line. I wish they'd kept that in because it's one of those moments that just that again sort of shows that Peta is still there. Like it's yeah, you know that he's yeah he's he's still in there. Um. So then, as they're hiding out in the sewers. Uh, and th this is a minor change. Katniss and Peter are having a conversation, um, and he says something about her trying to protect him. Um, and she says, in the book, she says, that's what you and I do, protect each other. And the movie changes it to, that's what you and I do, keep each other alive. Yeah. And I just weird prefer, change. yeah, it's a weird change. I don't really understand the point of it. I thought the book's line was better. Yeah. There's like parallelism there, and yeah, it's, it's just also a just, nicer line. It's a nicer line because it's more protect has more baggage than keep yeah. alive. Yeah, keep, yeah, which is funny too because keep alive almost feels more Katniss, like it feels like something more that she would say. Like, because I, I can even see the argument for her character saying that's what we do, keep each other alive, because she does tend to view relationships more transactionally or at least sometimes a little more transactionally not transactionally that's maybe not the right word but she doesn't attach all of the same sentimentality mm -hmm. to relationships in the same way that everybody else does mm -hmm. um and so the word protect has an extra layer of sentimentality beyond keeping each other alive. So I actually could see the argument for Katniss saying that, but it doesn't necessarily, but that being said, it doesn't make sense in the movie version, the movie making that change because her characterization in the movie, it, since we're not in her head and we don't know how she views relationships in the set, like we don't have all of the experience of how she thinks and how she sort of, um, uh, moves through relationships and how she views relationships. So it's weird to then give that line a, a character trait that feels more fit to book Katniss mm -hmm. to movie Katniss when it doesn't really fit. Yeah. It Katniss doesn't really work. I don't know. That's yeah, that is interesting. So while they're in the tunnels, they start hearing, uh, they're, they're, they're taking a nap and then they, they wake up and they're hearing this, uh, hissing in the tunnels and in, Katniss realizes that it's her name is hearing her name hissed uh, through all these tunnels that they're they're in. And Pete is asleep at this point and he hears this and he starts hissing her name in his sleep. Yeah. Um, and she considers shooting him in the head while he's sleeping <laughs> again. 
a little moment of this reminds me of and it's funny because the movie actually does give us a little bit of this moment uh, of one of these moments at least that i think is not in the book is that when Peter first arrives in the movie she pulls her bow out and names an arrow at him mm-hmm. which is a thing that i had talked about in several episodes or several previous ones that the movie had gotten rid of with katniss where her her initial sort of survival fight or flight kicks in and she like in the first hunger games like when um at the end of it, when they they're like, "Oh, the old the old rules are rescinded, or yeah. the, the rule like, changes rescinded. Only one of you can win." And she immediately draws an arrow on Peta. Yeah, they they kept that out of that movie. But then this moment, they give her the draw and the arrow thing. But this is another one of those moments where I felt like, I don't know, I felt like the movie got a little inconsistent with like what their characterization of her. Not super inconsistent. I think in general, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. pretty even but again this is a little moment that i think the books have used throughout to always remind us that while katniss does have love Peta, has very strong feelings for Peta, for Peta, she's not above making the the most like the, the thing that will allow her to survive like making mm-hmm. the most beneficial survival choice despite um, other repercussions. I don't yeah. know. I agree. Uh, we also have this moment in when they're, they're start running from these mutts that they're hearing. And as they're running at one point, they hear screams in the distance and they realize it's other. So Avox generally mostly Avox work in the tunnels. Um, and they hear a, a bunch of people like screaming in agony, but it sounds weird. And they realize it's the Avox cause they don't have tongues and like, they yeah. don't, and I was like, oh, God, I was just imagining how horrifying that would be in the movie. And they don't do that. So, I mean, I get it. But I was I was I think it would have really added to how horrifying that sequence could be, which is already the movie makes it pretty, pretty scary. I also so I'm mixed. I have mixed feelings on the mutts themselves mm-hmm. when we finally see them. Yeah, so did I. I think they're cool and creepy in the movie. And they look really good. They, yeah. they look practical. Like a lot of them, I think they are like makeup, like they're hmm. actual like makeup effects, which was really cool, which actually would is interesting because I uh, um, a bunch of people from Face Off worked on these movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I think what's uh, what's her name was like the head of the makeup department. Um, oh, V. Neal. V. Neal. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but like uh, Connor worked on a bunch of people who have been on the show and stuff worked on this movie. And so there is a, quite a bit of practical uh, makeup effects and stuff. And I think these are some of them because they look they're the way they're moving. If they're not, they're very good CG. I, I think yeah. it's probably a mixture for sure. But um, I think there's a few moments where it's 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 a practical makeup effects. And I found them really creepy and really cool and not crazy far off from what i know yeah no they're not crazy far off and they are really creepy the movie gives us like these like they're they're kind of slender man looking yeah with like big mouths yeah they're more humanoid than i imagined because in the book they're described as reptilian yeah and they actually run on all fours yeah like lizards which would have been really creepy but apart from that, they still pretty close to what I envisioned. Like, yeah, they're, they're, fairly they're just not quite as reptilian as yeah. what I imagined. Yeah. Uh, but I think the movie did, got close while still making it again, making a little bit of a, a, a decision for practicality's purpose of mm-hmm. like it, assuming that they especially assuming that some of those are actually like physical makeups. And, right. And, and, yeah. And actors having them run on all fours in a way that doesn't look ridiculous would be a lot <laughs> tougher than having them um, right. run like, upright. It can't just be kind of funny like the R.O.U.S. is. Yeah. 
yeah. it has to be actually creepy. Yeah, no, they're, they're, it was still pretty good, but just not, they were close. I, again, I, I, that one's, that one was, I, I, I had elements of it in, in this and in the movie nailed it. Um, one of the main parts that I thought was that I was disappointed they didn't have in the movie is that we get like the 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 Mines of Moria moment where they cross the bridge yeah. at the end in the book. And it's they get to this giant river of like flaming sewage in yeah. the book is what it's described as. And like they have to cross this little narrow bridge to get to the ladder to get out of it or to climb up. And, you know, they end up in this big room and there's fire. It's, it's not again, super far off, but I was imagining like this, like almost like lava looking yeah, river. Yes, exactly. You know, th that they have to cross this bridge on. I get why they changed it because it gives the, 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 what they changed that room to in the movie gives us more of like an arena for them to fight in. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise it's a lot tougher for them to like, you know, because we have Finnick jumping around. Fight. If it's just a little bridge and a flaming river, like there's not a whole lot of like terrain for them to fight on. Whereas right. the, in the movie, we get kind of like these multiple levels and it's all water. And there's, you know, there's lots of places for them to do cool fight choreography and stuff. So I get the change. But I was just really wishing we had this giant flaming sewage river and the little like bridge of Casa Doom or whatever. <laughs> And then the final mo note on this is that uh, when Finnick does die, overall good, and there's lots I like about that scene better in the movie, but the moment where Katniss reacts to it mm -hmm. and then drops the hollow, I felt Jennifer Lawrence is great in these movies. Overall, this <laughs> moment did not work for me. It reminded me of the moment at the end of the part one where she's talking to Snow mm -hmm. that just felt fake like it mm -hmm. felt artificial in a way that none of her other acting does in like any of these movies something about the way she, re she like responds to watching Finnick die feels again just like a, like a local theater like reaction to somebody I don't know it felt very bad <laughs> like I was like yeah. oh it took me out of the moment um and uh, something about the way she I don't know overall that moment it worked okay. I just, her acting in that, there was like a specific like three second burst where I was like, whoa, God, is that the take they went with? All right. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It ugh, wasn't my favorite. And then Katniss kisses the brainwashing out of PETA. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he starts to have a meltdown um, and she kisses him and says, don't let him take you away from me. Yeah. Which the movie changes to stay with me. And yeah. I liked the book's version of that line, like yeah. that particular line better. Yeah. I also thought that the movie doesn't capture, although it's a little silly in the book. I wasn't a huge fan of this moment, period. It's a little silly no matter how you slice it. But like it. In, the, in the book, it's described he like convulses and she sees his eyes like dilate and then come back to normal. And like. That's at least interesting. Again, I think it's a little silly, like that she like again kisses the yeah. brainwashing out of him. It's I get I get the idea of that physical contact in that moment, like sort of grounding him and you know, like I I get right. what they're yes. going for, and I don't think it's an ineffective mo or like ineffective moment, but it still feels a little on the nose. I don't know, just a little like uh, trite, maybe. It, yeah. Um, uh, well, it's a little tropey. In a way that I'm not sure works for the genre, 
is the thing. This idea of like him being brought back by a kiss. Yeah. Like that's very tropey to other genres. I don't even think it doesn't work for the genre. I think it more so doesn't work for this specific novel series where, or, you know, especially in the books yeah. where, it's, where it, you know, where the reading of, where the the, the the complicated nature of her physical feelings towards Peta and Gail and sort of the nature of their relationship is such a complicated, multi-layered thing. Just reducing it down to a kiss being a thing that that like grounds him and saves him feels yeah. very it, that's a thing that work that feels like it would work very well in Twilight. Yeah. Or even as like I said, even in the same genre, like like for certain characters, it, it just feels not like I don't know something about it just feels kind of wrong for those little, two yeah, characters. Off. And that being said, they have sh- shared lots of kisses at important moments before, and some That's of them true. hasn't have yeah. in fact meant things. So I don't want to completely write it off and say it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels a little weird. And physical contact is yeah. a grounding technique yes. for when someone is, you know, having an anxiety attack or panic attack or otherwise kind of losing touch with what's going on around them. Yeah. So that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think it, it's not awful. It just, I don't know. It feels a little weird. So uh, this is a big change that I, was, I actually wasn't expecting the movie to make this Oh, yeah, change. I thought the movie would totally do this. I thought they would, too, and they don't, and it's really interesting. So after they get out of the sewers, they climb up out of the sewers, and they end up in a in an apartment, and they burst through a door, and then as they're bursting through this door into, like, an apartment, this woman in her, like, dressing gown walks into the room, and Katniss just shoots her in the chest with an arrow yeah. and kills her. Just no hesitation. Just a random just, civilian, mm-hmm. not... You know, not a soldier, not anything, just some woman in her living room or whatever and murders her. And the movie just completely skips this. Yeah. Just jumps right to when they get to Tigress's hideout, basically. Um, and it's a really interesting change. I I get it. Mm-hmm. I disagree with it. I think the movie, especially for what the book is going for and this sort of idea that war turns all of us into monsters like that's yeah. kind of the point and you know even our protagonists even our heroes become you know murderers uh, when in a war and i think it's one of those things that the movie was like okay this is a, a step too far we can't have our our protagonists for little girls murdering random civilians <laughs> Like, and this is one of those moments that felt like it's one of those things where they're like, they're trying, we talked about at the end of the prequel, you know, the series was something, they read the first one, they made the first one, and then the series went a completely different direction than they were expecting it to go. And they're like, okay, we'll do what we can with it. And they tried to be as true as they could, but they had to draw the line somewhere. (laughs) And they drew the line at our, our, our female protagonist murdering another woman in her living room. (laughs) Uh, and then another detail on top of that, and obviously this isn't in the movie because her killing her isn't. Uh, it's another little detail that I liked is that they see a propo later mm-hmm. after the after this event transpires, uh, and they've moved on. I think it's when they're in Tigress's hideout, and they uh, she sees that the the woman that she murdered they they're showing her on this in this propo like her body. Um, but they've redone her makeup and hair. Yeah. Which she was like, you know, had just gotten out of the shower or something in the in the in the when when Katniss actually killed her. Um, but before they show her in the propo, they like do her up to, you know, to to look good on camera. And I that little dark again, the dark, 
gross awfulness of propaganda and marketing and all that sort of stuff. I, I always like those kind of details. <laughs> um, and then immediately following seeing that propo, um, Katniss says something about, I, I doubt coin knows what to do with me now that I'm still alive because earlier the Capitol had announced that they were, they thought they were dead. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Which I don't think we've talked about yet. Cause we have that in other sections, yeah, yeah. but, um, and then, Tigress responds in the book by saying, nobody knows what to do with you, girly. <laughs> and then immediately gives her a pair of fur leggings, which I, I, I'm also a little disappointed that we lost that the main thing that Tigress sells in her little shop in the capital is, is fur underwear. Fur, is it it's, underwear? Yeah, it's not just fur. It's specifically fur underwear. I missed that. I thought it was just furs. It's fur underwear. <laughs> Fantastic. Swear. No, I believe you. I just, yeah. <laughs> Which would have been so easy to put. There could have just been mannequins wearing fur lingerie sets in the yeah. windows. That would have been easy to do. Yeah. Movie. Yep. Uh, another little detail that the movie leaves out that I thought would have been interesting is that uh, we find out that I don't remember how they find this out, but that. So uh, refugees from the outer layers of the capital, which are now falling to the rebels, are fleeing inward towards the center of the mm -hmm. city. And as they're doing so, they need places to stay. And it's re revealed that the, the people living in the inner parts of the capital are not <laughs> not opening their doors to the uh, displaced capital refugees. And that the peacekeepers literally have to force them yeah. to take people in. Which feels very realistic. Yes. I mean, especially in the capital, but I mean, any, uh, anyway, that's a problem always anywhere um, is, is are things like that. But yeah, definitely for people living in the capital that where sort of their own self-interest is paramount mm -hmm. at all times. Um, again. And that's also thing. one of the reasons that they have to like make a plan right away yes. to leave um, Tigress's store is because they're because gonna, they're they're like well they're going to be bringing refugees here probably yeah. today yeah we have to get out of here uh, and there's also they on this news report they find a little they hear a little story about how random capital people in the capital saw somebody that they thought was PETA and beat them to death yeah and then they see the picture of this person and they're like it doesn't look anything like PETA like they have blonde hair and that's like it and again I thought that was another um, sort of detail that. It just makes the world feel more realistic mm -hmm. and, again, adds to the gravity of the, the war that they're sort of living in or living through in the moment uh, and the kind of things that do happen in situations like that. And, again, the movie just kind of skirts over that. Uh, and then when Tigress gives them all a makeover, another little nice PETA moment that the movie cuts is they give them all a makeover and PETA says, thank thank." thank God for stylists or something mm -hmm. like that. And they, she gives them a makeover so they can sneak in to, you know, the inner part yeah. of the Capitol and which kind of happens in the movie, but not yeah. really. And she just puts them in coats or yeah. whatever. Um, they actually get like full, like makeup and yeah. hair and all kinds of things in the, in the, in the book. And, um, but Peter says, thank God for, uh, stylists and, and Tigress blushes at this. And it's a nice little moment again, reminding us of who Peter is mm -hmm. and that he's still, you know, Peter. Speaking of their their capital refugee disguises, I was pretty disappointed with that. Yeah, in the movie, I I get why the movie wanted our main characters to be recognizable in the big. I, I get it, it, especially for what's about to happen. We I needed Katniss it. to look like Katniss, but also. <laughs> 
the movie describes like the book. They're the yeah, the book describes like they get disguises and wigs and makeup and all this different stuff. And I I wanted the movie to just go for it and go kind of like garish and ridiculous and make them actually look like capital citizens. Yeah. But they just wear big coats. They just wear big coats and cover I mean, Katniss's coat was pretty cool. It's a cool it was coat. An, it was a nice coat. Yeah. But it wasn't interesting in the way that I wanted it to be. No. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> This is a little thing that made me laugh in the book. So they're they're they've joined this big mob of capital refugees and they're all kind of like shuffling towards the city center. And it's been announced that President Snow will be taking refugees into his mansion. Mm-hmm. And Katniss hears this little boy ask, says, Where are we going, Uncle? And his uncle's like, to the president's mansion. And it just felt so like Dickensian to me that I started laughing. I didn't laughing. Even remember that line. <laughs> like, where are we headed, Uncle? Why to the president's <laughs> mansion, my boy? <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh speaking of little kids, um <laughs> this is terrible. Uh so this little girl's in the movie. There's a little girl in a yellow coat, and we see her in the movie. Uh she, walking behind her parents or whatever. And she starts in the book and in the movie, she seems to kind of recognize Katniss or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's looking at her a lot. And in the book, Katniss is like trying to figure out like, Oh, I hope she doesn't recognize me. And right at the moment where she thinks she's going to recognize her gunfire breaks out. And in the movie, we get a cut, we get an interspersed shot after all hell breaks loose and they like go and hide behind stuff. And then we get a shot of this little girl crying next to like her dead parent mom or yeah. whatever, um, which is what happens in the book. But then some more gunfire happens and Katniss looks up and that little girl is dead, like got shot. Um, And the movie doesn't do that part. The movie just shows a little girl crying and then we move on Uh, again, not committing to the brutality of Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're already about to watch dozens of kids get murdered in the next, you know, five (laughs) minutes. So I guess they were like, that's enough child murder for. For the that sells our, our quota yeah, on child murder, summer blockbuster. <laughs> I guess it was a fall blockbuster, but it came out like November. But um, that's enough child murder for our, you know, our PG thirteen movie. But again, I think because one of the things Katniss re- re- remarks on in this moment is that it's the rebels who are shooting, mm-hmm. and they're 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 shooting at the peacekeepers, but they're terrible shots, and they're just hitting everybody. Yeah. Um, and again, I. It really like the big point of this book, and we'll talk a lot more about it in a, in a while. Is obviously it's been the point for the last you know a lot of some of Catching Fire, but this whole book, the whole point is is how terrible war is. We talked about it before we even started the series about how that was a lot of what like Vietnam and all those sort of things were what inspired mm-hmm. a lot of what um, the themes of what Suzanne Collins is writing about the whole point of this series ends up sort of being how just truly terrible war is regardless of the motivations behind it and the point behind it. It even with the best of intentions, it's still a terrible, brutal, awful thing. And lots of innocent people die no matter what. And this is one of those moments that really drives that home. And the movie just pulls up short on it because again, probably for ratings, probably to be yeah. not as much of a downer for th- they're trying to write a fine line. I have notes about my final verdict talks about this a little bit, but they're trying to write a fine line between hitting the thematic points that they that 
Suzanne Collins has without <laughs> without going over a line to where this summer blockbuster is a complete bummer. You know what right. I mean? And so it's a tough <laughs> it's a tough line to ride and we'll we'll talk about how effectively they do it, but this is a moment where they decide to err on the less brutal side that I think is undermines a little bit of the the point we're going for. Uh, we also, uh, speaking of the brutality that the movie cuts in this moment, after all the gunfire breaks out, pods start going off. Um, and there's a trap that like steams a bunch of people to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a purple light sh- hits a bunch of people and they all just start spewing blood out of all their orifices. Like yeah. things get nuts at the end of this book. Uh, at the end of the, this final battle here. And the movie doesn't do any of that. It just has like some it's people big. kind of like vaguely dying, you know, like yeah. people die, but it's all, it's chaos. And there's like, it's all gunfire, but we don't, and you know, you don't ever see anybody like distinctly dying people just falling over. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very like sort of broad strokes brutality versus mm-hmm. like the very specific ionized brutality we see in the book, which is way more affecting yeah. But again, it's a PG-13, uh, you know. Plot. So we can't have people spewing blood out of their orifices? Yeah, not every, no. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> uh, another moment that I thought is, a, it's another classic sort of war movie trope um, that they don't do in uh, the movie, which I was a little disappointed and surprised at, is that at one point, Gail and Katniss, because uh, they're trying to get to the president's mansion. There's bodies everywhere in the street, and they're, the peacekeepers are coming through, and they lay down, and they just hide in the bodies, and the yeah. peacekeepers, like, stomp on top, you know, walk over them, um, which is a classic, like, war movie that happened, you know, dozens of war movies where somebody hides in the bodies and, and that sort of thing. And, again, it's another a really surprising moment that they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Because even that, that's at least one that I can under that I, that I don't understand why they wouldn't do it. Because you could do that and it doesn't necessarily like undermine your PG 13. It's no, like in the same way that watching a little girl like get shot through the chest is, or, or people, you know, head explode or whatever, or like shoot blood out of their eyeballs is obviously something you can't do in a PG 13 movie. This hiding in a bunch of bodies you could do and, and does still add to the mm-hmm. same thematic line that we're going for. Um, and then, and then the big final moment uh, before the bombing is there's like the street opens up and it's like a giant trap door pit. Oh yeah, and none of that's in the that. movie no. at all. Yeah, <laughs> the, just, the movie kind of abandons the idea of, of the, the booby traps, traps yeah. once we get which they do talk about how like the the capital is like disarming them to like right. let people through. They say that in the movie, which is true, but also at this point when the rebels show up, I guess the idea is they rearm some of them or yeah. something and then they start going off. But yeah, there's a big trap door that like Katniss almost falls in and that's what causes her and Gail to get split up mm-hmm. and Gail to get captured by the Capitol. Yeah, and so I was wish we had seen the trap door because that was a big like crazy set piece that I thought would have been interesting to see in the movie. Uh, and then... So we'll talk more about the bombing later, but um, one of the things that I I was really disappointed in in the movie is that after the bombs go off uh, and and the bombs that kill Prim um, and a bunch of other people, um, in the book we get several pages of what's happening to Katniss and what's going on in her head. She goes into like this grief slash shock fueled nightmare because she, she gets knocked out by the bombs and she's like horribly burned 
And then, like, she's under Morphling, and she has all these nightmares about, like, being drowned and becoming, like, a mutt, and just all of this weird imagery of, like, grief. And, like, I was really hoping the movie was going to give us some of that. Like, something. Something. Yeah. To represent that, 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 that period of time where she's, like, trapped in this nightmare grief, like, drug-induced state. Mm-hmm. And we don't. We just go, she hits by the bomb. We see her like smoldering on the ground and then we fade out and fade in and she wakes up in the hospital. And I was really disappointed we didn't get anything with that because it's such a riveting, like weird part of the book because you don't know exactly what happened in this moment. And yeah. then you get into this again, this like mind altered, drug induced um, nightmare scenario. <sighs> She's a little disappointed we didn't get anything with that. No, I agree. Uh, and then also, while she's recovering, she has these in the hospital, which I was really surprised they didn't do this because this would have been the perfect moment. Oh, this moment. would have been so great. Yes. She has this these, like, visions in because she's on a bunch of drugs. Um, she starts getting visitors in the hospital while she's recovering. And, you know, it's like, oh, her mom, blah, 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 whoever. But then, like, Cinna comes in and, mm-hmm. like, other people who are dead. And it's like, oh, okay. So she's having, like, she's getting all these visitors and some of them are real. Some of them are people who are dead already. Um, and I thought that would have been, how in the world did they not take that, see that and go, we can have Cinna come back and have a moment yeah. with her. Like, why in the world I would don't you know why not you wouldn't. bring Lenny Kravitz back for one final scene? <laughs> no, but like for real, yeah. one final scene and, and you could write, cause God, like think of like as a screenwriter, I would salivate at the idea of writing that scene. Like that, that like interaction between them in this mm-hmm. moment, because there's so many things you can explore there, like her looking for comfort in him. And maybe he's I don't even know. There's just so many avenues you could take that scene down. It would be so fascinating and heartbreaking and really interesting. And you get to bring back a fan favorite, like bring Cinna back for a scene like a really, yeah. like. You yeah, get this. Yeah, yeah. And because even more so. You, we don't know, like, everybody said he's dead, but it, you can play off the traditional, like, movie, like, thing of, like, if you don't see them die on screen, they're not dead. Right. You could play off that by having Cinna walk in. They've conquered the capital. It's reasonable that maybe he was alive. True. And he's yeah. there. He's, yeah. You know, that's kind of what happens with Effie. I mean, yeah, the, the book does bring back Effie That's what happens with Effie hour. this moment in the book. And so the movie could do that, could bring him in mm-hmm. and, and and have us not know whether it's, you know, like, oh, my God, did he, is he survived? And then pull that rug. And, and maybe they don't want, we've already just watched Prim die. Maybe they don't want right. to lead us on that way. But So maybe you don't do that. But you could still, even if you don't do the, like, is he alive or is he dead? Even if it's very clear that he is dead, you know, however you want to do it. I still think that scene and that exchange between them could have been so, like, profound and incredible and, like, heartbreaking that it's just... I I mean, I even think they could have done something with just, like, having her see characters that we know have died and create some, like, is she dead kind of mystery. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, because I think she sees Boggs at one point. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, you could bring Boggs. You could bring, and then and, and that's if that's how you want to do it. But I'm just, like I said, just the idea of having the opportunity written into the book to bring back Cinna and then not using <laughs> it at all is so wild to me. Now maybe there was some situation where uh, yeah, maybe maybe Lenny Kravitz was busy. Who knows? But still, just uh, what a disappointment. Uh, and speaking of her recovery, 
Um, she also, uh, which the movie doesn't even remotely begin to touch on, Mm-mm. like her skin is like horribly burned from like yeah. she got hit by a bomb, basically. Yeah. Like she was right next to the explosion. Uh, and she's like looking at herself in the mirror and like her skin is like all patchworked skin grafts and stuff. And they had to chop all of her hair, like not all of it, but a lot of her hair off because it was all singed and burned and stuff like that. And I... I really liked the the idea of that imagery of her with the patchwork skin because she's literally been burned and then reformed. Yeah. Like, it, well, we you know, know, well, a lot we of know the movies and, don't like for our main character to be ugly. Yeah, I know. But it's not even ugly. I like I don't think th- I think you can do it in a way that isn't even particularly like hideous or horrifying or anything. But just I don't know. I I think there's I think that it's very clear that 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 patchwork skin and that recovery she went through was, was symbolism again of, of, yes, I of agree. Her, her, she literally is burned and, and arises from the ashes kind of thing. I, it's just wild to me that the movie didn't, didn't utilize that at all. Uh, and then my last, not last, but um, a little detail, she goes to talk to snow and a lot of that scene we'll talk about later when she goes to talk mm-hmm. to snow um, but the main thing that I had here for better in the book is that in the movie, he's just walking around. Yeah. Completely. Un- he's completely like, un- like nobody no in there watching no him. Wa- no, nothing in the movie or in the book. When she goes in, he's handcuffed and shackled and has, you know, yeah. like ankle like he's completely like manacled. Um, so he can walk, but he's like, you know, he's got handcuffs and, and leg cuffs and all this sort of thing on. And I thought it was I get why they did it in the movie to just give snow a bit or or donald sutherland and snow a bit more menace a bit Mm -hmm. like the fact that he's not manacled feels it puts you on edge yeah like that he could at any moment come try to you know do something we know he's not going to and so i think that's why they did it in the movie but i I think it doesn't make any sense (laughs) like it just doesn't practically like he would be like he would be handcuffed or something so after she goes to see snow and he um, like drops this this tidbit of information about who dropped the bombs that she's not sure how to deal with. Um, we get this kind of heart wrenching scene with Katniss. She's like she doesn't know who to go to. Everybody she trusts is dead or like compromised in some way. So she tries to go to Haymitch yeah. for help figuring out like who dropped these who bombs. Who dropped the bombs? Yeah, is Snow lying or not? Yeah. And she she goes to him and he's drunk and she wakes him up and like is trying to ask for his help. And he like rebuffs her. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He he doesn't. He just like makes a joke. Yeah. He like he like dismiss like he dismissively yeah, makes a joke. He's like, oh, you got more boy. Like she doesn't even say why she's there at first. She just shows up and he makes a joke about like boy trouble or something. Yeah. Um, And she's like, fuck you and leaves. And he's like tries to go after her. But can't catch her or whatever and yeah i don't mind leaving that part out because i i found that part disappoint i I get why because he's drunk and he's he's drunk haymitch again but at this point they've been through a lot and he's he really has they have formed a connection in a way Mm -hmm. that feels like at this point he's gone through enough growth that he wouldn't make that joke to her even if he is drunk i don't know i felt that moment a little out of character for haymitch at this point in the story that's fair in the book not like wildly out of character i didn't but it just felt like i don't know i don't know if he would he knows prim's debt like he knows everything that's happened again even if he is drunk i feel like he's 
Hamish is a good enough drunk. He he like he's <laughs> he's practiced enough at it that he's not like firing off whatever thought comes into his head at all times. Even when he was before, that's mm-hmm. not really how he operated. I don't know. I found that moment a little out of character. But uh, so Gail comes and talks to Cat. It's the day of the execution of Snow, and Gail comes to talk to Katniss. And this scene overall is pretty similar ish in the movie and in the book where he comes and in, in, into her room and he's talking to her before the execution little detail that I liked in the, in the book is that he brings her the arrow mm-hmm. that she's going to use to kill snow with. It doesn't really matter. I just thought it was interesting. And then, um, so they have a very specific conversation in the book that does not happen in the movie the same way. It's similar, but it, it's not exactly the same. And, and she asked him, was it your bomb? And he says, I don't know. Neither does BT. And uh, but and he says, does it matter? You'll always think you'll always be thinking about it. And she she's like realizes that's true. It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. She'll always, you know, wonder and that sort of thing. Um, and they have this final moment. The scene plays out pretty similar in the movie, but he doesn't ask her. I think there's something painful in the resignation when he asks her does it matter when she's like was it your bomb and he says does it matter something about that in the book really like feels right for his character Mm -hmm. and 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 skipping over that line in the book or in the movie i don't know it's it's not again the scene is very similar um i do like him in the movie he apologizes for not keeping her family safe he says something similar in the book. He says, uh, that's the only thing I had going for me, taking care of your family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I failed at that. And so it's kind of similar. But I do like that he directly apologizes in the movie. I thought that was because yeah, he doesn't actually yeah. directly apologize yeah. in the book. And it feels like he would, um, especially because he does feel that guilt for what happened. It feels like he would apologize. Mm-hmm. So I like that in the movie. Little things. I guess ultimately the scene could have gone in. A number of segments. Yeah, but it's <laughs> kind of six of one. Yeah. But anyways, I guess the thing that puts it over is that he in the book he brings her the arrow and he doesn't in the movie, and I thought that was a nice detail for no <laughs> real reason. It, again, it doesn't really mean anything. But. So after Katniss ultimately does shoot President Coin, and this wouldn't have made it into the movie anyway because the movie's never established that her bow had voice recognition. Yes. But in the book, she she shoots coin and then she whispers goodnight to her bow yeah. to turn it off, which I thought was a really nice little detail. Yeah, I agree. I had the same note uh, about saying goodnight to the bow. Again, doesn't make sense in the movie. Never introduced that. Um, and we'll talk. I have a note about that in the odds and ends about the whole <laughs> about that, because we talked about it in the last episode and about whether any of that stuff would ever get used yeah. in the book. I have. I have thoughts about it. We'll talk about it later about the, the like introduction of weapons and stuff and whatnot. But I did like in that moment, you know, she says goodnight to the bow. And then also she goes for the poison pill and she does in the movie, but in the, in the, in the, cause the, the movie or the book explains that the way the pills are like situated is they're like on your shoulder in like yeah. a little pouch and you can actually like lean your head down and bite them off. Yeah. Specifically so that if you are like handcuffed or tied up, you can still use the pill. Um, and she goes to do that, but as in the book, as she goes to do that, Peta sticks his hand on the pill and she bites into his hand. Yeah. And in the movie, he just kind of runs over and like stops her, like just kind of grabs her. And I, I like the version in the 
in the book a little bit more. It's more dramatic. It also, I like the detail of it being something you can get to without your hands because it makes sense right. practically yeah. as a thing. Um, but I also just like that last moment of, again, Peta like sacrificing his body physically to, you know, I, I think there's a, some little detail there that I think is just more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, my guess is that in the movie, they felt like it, it would feel it would look weird like they wouldn't like it wouldn't be clear why she went to bite at her like right because i don't think they established that either they didn't and even if they had i still think in the moment it may have looked silly maybe like i I don't know yeah that's fair and and, like reading it works but maybe looking i don't know they might have thought it makes more sense to just her she goes to take the pill and he's not I, i get it um, so after she kills Coin, she ends up imprisoned in her training room from mm, mm-hmm. the Hunger Games. Whereas in the movie, they just take her to like some She's random just like room. in a room. Yeah, some random room we've never seen before. At least I don't remember seeing before. But in the book, she ends up in her training room. And she's imprisoned in there and she's there for days, if not weeks. And Mm -hmm. she goes through like she she's like planning. She's like contemplating different ways of how she's going to kill herself first. She's going to starve herself. Um, But for some reason, she decides not to. I don't remember. what. I don't remember. Um, And then she goes through like morphling withdrawal and or she's going to morphling herself to death. But then she starts going through with anyways uh, or she goes through morphling withdrawal. That's it. She's. Stuff, or she's starving herself, but then she starts going through withdrawal. So she starts, she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to take a bunch of morphling and kill myself with morphling. Um, anyway, she goes through this whole period where she's like contemplating suicide for a long time. And then she like randomly starts singing. It's very weird, but kind of interesting. And I also like the protracted length of it. This is the thing that on my original reading that made me feel like the ending of the book was long, was like drawn out mm-hmm. is that not the actual ending of the book is drawn out, but the time period that the ending events of the book happen over yeah. is like longer than you would think. Cause it does actually only happen over like 10 or 15. Like it's like right. the book yeah. wraps up incredibly quickly, but I, I just preferred the weird, protracted denouement of the book on a second reading that felt more realistic than what we get in the movie where things seem to be figured out in a matter of like hours. Right. Which I get, and I get why the movie would do that. I just think what the book does is more realistic and more interesting and allows more time for Katniss to kind of come to terms with everything. And I just think it's, it's just more compelling. Um, but I get it. Also, it gets really deeply nihilistic in, the, in this part um, where, like, uh, Katniss at one point is thinking to herself, uh, I no longer feel any allegiance to these monsters called human beings, which is just like. Okay, Katniss. Yeah. Uh, Edgelord Katniss over here. Suzanne Collins gets real doomer pilled in the in the last couple chapters of this. <laughs> Uh, I no longer feel any allegiance to these monsters called human beings, despite being one myself. I think that PETA was on to something about us destroying one another and letting some decent species take over because something is something is significantly wrong with a creature that sacrifices its children's lives to settle its differences. You can spin it any way you like. Snow thought the Hunger Games were an efficient means of control. Coin thought the parachutes would expedite the war. But in the end, who who does it benefit? No one. The truth is, it benefits no one to live in a world where these things happen. So yeah, she black pilled Katniss at this moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think it is interesting, and it makes sense at this moment for her to feel that way. I, yeah. I, I kind of miss that the movie takes her to those depths. Yeah. 
it feels more realistic that the book does that. So this movie did not tell us what happened yeah. to Snow, like, yeah, at what all. what the heck? I, unless I missed it, but I don't think I, I did. I mean, I was writing a lot of notes in that moment, obviously. Because after you really... said something about it, I was, like, listening for it. But I don't think this movie ever says. And, and now in the book, they do find him dead. Yes. After, like, the... And it's revealed later. Yeah. Like, we don't see what happens. After all the chaos starts happening, like, she shoots coin and, like, just yeah, everything chaos. goes crazy. Um, and then she's drug away. And since we're in her perspective, we don't know what transpired after. But she does find out that later they they, they uh, find once him, everything was yeah. settled down, coin was still tied to the 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 pole. Snow was. Yeah, sorry. Snow was still tied to the, the post and he was dead. Yeah. And they don't know whether he um, laughed himself to death, like asphyxiated on his own blood or whatever, laughing himself to death or if he got trampled by the crowd that, you know, yeah the chaos that happened afterwards which and we do see him like right after she shoots coin in the mo in the movie we see him laughing and yeah. like starting to cough up blood so i guess we're supposed to assume that he is asphyxiated it's really weird that they wouldn't but they never yeah. say yeah because we get we get a couple different scenes where we get like hey mitch summarizing yeah some what's happened what's gone down yeah um, but they never, the movie never actually tells us what happened. To the yeah, snow. unless we missed it. If we missed yeah. it, it's possible. We were, like I said, we we're writing a lot of notes in that moment, but I thought that was very strange as well. The movie also implies, and I don't know how I feel about this. I did not catch this, so I'm going to need you to The tell movie me. absolutely implies that her killing coin was kind of Plutarch's plan all along. And I don't know how I feel about that because that is not the vibe I got reading the book. And now mm -mm. people can correct me if I'm wrong, both on my interpretation of the book or my interpretation of the movie. But it, it seemed very clear to me in the movie that I would have to go back and rewatch it. But I very distinctly remember feeling like they were making it like the point that Plutarch's goal was, in fact, for Katniss to realize that Coin was not a good leader and that he had sort of orchestrated this whole thing. The specific line from Plutarch's letter that made me think this that's not in the book is the line, if I had to put you through this again for the same outcome, I would. Which makes me think that maybe this was Plutarch's plan all along. Not to the exact detail that of how mm -hmm. it happens in the, in the movie necessarily, but had in fact his goal had been for Katniss to, to sort of kill her or something. And... Or that, or or something would happen. I don't know. It felt like the movie was implying that this was like Plutarch's grand plan all along, and that he wanted democracy. And, and to me, it felt like the movie was trying to um, recuperate Plutarch's image slightly mm -hmm. and turn him into like this, like um, again, the, the the head's game maker whose whose goal all along was democracy, um, and that he didn't like Coin and he didn't trust her. The book's version, I don't want to say that there isn't any of that because the book version of Plutarch, I felt like was it's just more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. I always got the vibe that he didn't like Coin, yeah, and didn't really think she would be a good leader, but also never got any sort of inclination that he would it was like trying to move things towards not getting her elected or or towards her not being a leader. To me, Plutarch just feels like he's like a he's like a almost like a true neutral character kind of I agree yeah almost to an extent 
he's there doing his job and he does want democracy. He doesn't really care what form that comes in or or who is the leader of said democracy. He wants democracy and I think he would have been fine with like book version mm-hmm. would have been fine with coin. Um he doesn't really like her but he would have been fine with her as long as she was like rightfully elected or whatever. Um and I just I don't know. I felt like they turned him into much more of a good guy in the movie than I think he actually is in the book. Whereas in the book, I think he's just, he's, he likes playing the game yes, and he likes being a part of the game and orchestrating things and, and, and pulling strings and all that sort of stuff. But they're not, I don't know. It felt different. And I don't know if anybody understands. What I, I mean, I, I totally agree that the movie softened Plutarch. Yeah. Cause we don't get a lot of his like slimier moments yeah. that we see in the book. I, I didn't pick up the implication that Katniss killing coin was like his plan. I would have to replay that. Scene. It's during <laughs> that scene. There's a scene at the end where a hundred percent, that's the impl- I, I I can't. I don't remember the details. I just remember yeah. that that. Felt I I, very ju- I just to didn't. Me. I didn't pick up on that at all. And maybe I maybe I was writing a note and I missed. Yeah. Whatever you whatever you saw. My second thought here is that I would like to ask Suzanne why she didn't write a backstory for Plutarch. Instead of snow. Oh, yeah. Because I agree. that sounds a million times more interesting. Way more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Plutarch's, a, that's the thing is, I think Plutarch is a really interesting character. And I really. And I like, I would like to know his backstory and what his actual motivations are. Yeah. Because we don't know what his motivations are. And I think that's the thing is that his motivations feel a little more nebulous and, and unclear in the book, whereas yeah. the movie, it felt like they kind of ultimately at the very end explained his motivations as being more noble than I, than I feel like the book's version actually are Mm -hmm. like the movie turns his motivations into this noble pursuit of democracy. Whereas I don't feel like that's the necessarily the case of book Plutarch, his motivations are, I, I think he likes democracy. I think book book Plutarch likes the idea of democracy but he more more than anything likes the idea of being the person who orchestrated it all, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, not necessarily. He doesn't want to be the person sitting on. He's Dick Cheney. Like, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> I think you cracked it. <laughs> he doesn't want to be the person sitting on the throne, or you know, that is the right. president. But he wants to be the person who put the president in power. Right. And whether that be coin or paler or whoever. And so I think that still fits with what the movie does. It just ascribes slightly more noble intentions to him than I think we're supposed to ascribe to him in the book is my only uh, my only critique, I think. Oh, uh, mentioning uh, speaking of Greasy Say, as we did earlier, she shows up again at the end uh, in District 12 and is like becomes Katniss's like like caretaker. Cook. Yeah, cook like caretaker. Pers- yeah. She, like makes dinner and stuff for her, which Greasy I thought was Say, interesting. Way more pivotal in this yeah, book than she's ever been. Not in the movies at all. Uh, there's a line in the book where once Katniss goes back to 12 and is living in her house alone, at one point she's going to uh, go outside because she hears some noises this is when she finds PETA, I believe. Uh, and she's walking down the hall and the line in the book, it's just, obviously this wasn't going to make it into the movie. It's just a line I wanted to mention because I liked it. 
she walks down the hall and the line is, I go anyway in silent sock feet so as not to awaken the ghosts. It's a nice line. It's a nice line uh, after all that's happened in the house mm-hmm. that has seen so much loss. I, I, I liked it. And then she has uh, a nightmare, yep. a really gnarly nightmare that mm-hmm. I was hoping was going to be in the movie, but it's not, nope. where she's laying in a grave and every dead person that she knows comes and shovels ashes on top of her. Yeah. Which, again, would have been easy to do. Yeah, would have been easy to do. would have been a, another a good moment. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised that yeah they didn't do that at all. I think they, at that point, so much bad things had happened. They're trying to, they tried to keep the denouement a little more upbeat. Yeah, I guess. was my, Would be my guess. I mean, it's, there's still some sad moments in it, but I, I think they tried to keep it a little less um, upsetting. Uh, we find out Gail got a fancy job in two. Oh, and this is, so we, we find that out in the movie as well, that he right. gets a job in District 2, but there's a, a distinct line, again, it's in Katniss's head, but I it's one of those things that I missed because it's a movie. Um, where Katniss is reacting to this news and she first thinks she's going to be angry or sad or, or, you know, resentful or something mm-hmm. that, the, that he, you know, moved to and is moving on with his life. But she's ultimately just relieved. And yeah. I thought that was yeah. a really interesting, a, a nice sort of way to finish, to really put a... Right, we we put an we put an end cap on Gail. Yeah, put with an end that. cap on Gail. Like the fact that she's just relieved that he's moving on with his life, and, and he going. didn't even have to marry her daughter. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Uh, uh, we also a little detailed. Madge has not been a character in any of the books, but we do find in the, out any of the movies. Or sorry, in any of the movies, but we do find out here at the end that both Madge and the mayor and all of the mayor's family died um, in the bombing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because some somebody else is in twelve, like going through the rubble. Yeah, because she she wonders at the beginning of this book if maybe they got out. Yeah, and and she's talking to some I don't remember who it is. It's some guy who's like shoveling through stuff, and he says, "Don't think being the mayor of twelve put the odds in his favor or something like yeah. that." And yeah, it's just a, another little again, not at characters in the movies. Also trying to keep the ending a little less sad, probably. <laughs> um, um, after PETA ultimately shows up in District 12, um, he and Katniss write a, a book, a book of the fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, they create this big book to remember everyone and everything that has happened. Yeah. Um, which the movie doesn't give us at all. No. Which was a little disappointing and surprising. Uh, because yeah. didn't they do the plant book or no? I don't remember. I, I, I don't think they did. Actually, I don't think they did. I don't think yeah. they did. But I think it would have been fairly easy to show yeah. them just yeah. working just on it. Just a little montage yeah. of them flipping through and seeing some pictures of, you know, Yeah, people. Some, some pictures of people and stuff like that. Yeah. Little captions. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah, that they didn't do that. Uh, and then the last thing is a line. Uh, the epilogue's very similar in the movie and mm-hmm. the book. But there's a line in the book's epilogue. Um, as she's watching her children play and she thinks to herself, my children who don't know they play on a graveyard again, just doomer Suzanne Collins just <laughs> always got something awful to say, <laughs> even in happy moments, um, which I liked. And I, I that's another uh, sad, heartbreaking line that um, the movie just kind of doesn't do anything with, which again, it's in her head. I get it. All right, that's going to do it for Better in the Book. Let's go ahead now and talk about what we thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I like the movie's decision to open up on Katniss uh, struggling to talk. There's not really a natural 
sort of opening point in the second half of the book. Like, they kind of had to pick something. And I think opening up right on the fallout of Peter's attack um, and Katniss struggling to talk, uh, like, literally struggling to find her voice is a nice... An opening point that that makes as much sense as pretty much anything else I could think of. And I, I it's not a scene that's direct. I mean, it is mentioned in the book that, like, her vocal cords are bruised and, like, mm-hmm. she's not able to talk super well. But I did. I, uh, I liked seeing that scene and opening up on it. I thought it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. And I also liked that the movie was able to use the doctor then to get in her my name is Katniss Everdeen refrain from all of the other movies um, since her voice is gone. Yeah. Uh, So I did have a feeling that that we talked about how Deli is not in these movies. And I had a feeling when they were sending her in to talk to PETA, I was like, I bet they had replaced her with Prim. And that is Mm -hmm. exactly what happens. Uh, And I thought that it makes a lot of sense uh, if you're not having, uh, you know, that extra character in there, just giving Prim more screen time. Um, and I also thought his freak out in that scene where Prim is in there talking to him and he starts losing it at the end. It was really compelling and upsetting. Um, and in the book and in the movie, I was remembering there's a similar there's actually a real life um, psychological disorder called Capgrass syndrome syndrome hmm. that is very similar uh, to what he's going through. Or, well, obviously, I don't know if all the like the like psychosis type of stuff, but. There is a syndrome where people think that somebody close to them in their lives has been replaced with like a copy. Interesting. Like a like a, 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 a it's called yeah capgrass capgrass delusion. Uh, a person holds a delusion that a friend, spouse, parent, or other close family member has been replaced by an identical imposter. Well, hmm. it's sometimes like colloquially known as like imposter syndrome or not not imposter syndrome. Um, it has some colloquial name that I can't recall, but uh, yeah, it's um most commonly occurs in people with paranoid schizophrenia, but that is a a specific thing kind of. So I thought that was interesting. Similar to the other movies, we are able to leave Katniss's perspective. And I liked that one of the scenes we get as this war is raging is seeing snow in the mansion, having dinner Mm -hmm. with all of these people, like still in the lap of luxury. Yes. Big fancy room. Yeah. Candlelit dinner. Um, and in that scene, we teased the idea that the Capitol is rigged like yeah. an arena. Um, and yeah, we, he has a great line in that scene that I loved where when he's talking about that, he says, we will turn their advance into a celebration of suffering, which is a <laughs> fantastic villain. Line. Yeah. And we also see him uh, poison Antonius, mm-hmm. which is uh, the captain who has lost district. Yeah, two. One of his yeah, yeah. second in command type of people. And in which we know that snow poisons people. Yeah. That's what he and does. And so actually seeing it happen is a nice a nice addition that we don't get in the books. Mm-hmm. I, I liked uh, once we get to uh, Finnick and Annie's wedding that the movie gave us this like particular moment between Katniss and Prim while they're dancing. They do dance in mm-hmm. the book, mm-hmm. but I thought it was nice that the movie kind of like pulled in it on hangs it, on it and yeah. hangs on it. I was almost expecting it to vanish to being like just them <laughs> uh, a la Pride and Prejudice. You mean a la Twilight or whatever, whichever <laughs> Twilight movie that was where the, the wedding. That's, so that's Breaking Dawn part one probably. Yeah, I guess so. Or, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, after Katniss um, 
when she sneaks like, to the capital when she 13 to, or after, dis- yeah, or after, to the capital after Katniss sneaks away from 13 and goes to the capital which is different in the movie cuz she yeah. she like stows away and sneaks there she doesn't yeah, get sent not, there is, yeah we talked about that um coin and Plutarch. Plutarch are talking about whether or not they should try to like bring, bring her, her back. back or what they should do and coin has a line that i liked just like generally um, which was she can't come back now. She's mythic, mm-hmm. like kind of acknowledging that Katniss has transcended herself. Yeah, and just transcended their their even goals for her. Really, yeah. Because I mean, there there's that line is said as they're watching footage of her arriving at the Capitol and everybody like saluting her, and mm-hmm. it's this big moment um, that she's come to fight in the Capitol. Yeah, uh, I really like that they give once she gets to the Capitol. Uh, and they're kind of there. There's like a giant briefing of like all the rebels, like in a big like they're outdoors in this big thing. And Paler is giving a big like speech to kind of rally the troops before they storm the Capitol. And I really liked that giving her that scene. Um, mm-hmm. it, I think it's really good to give her more time, especially considering we, she ends up being elected to president. And like, yeah, it makes sense to give her, give her a, a little scene. bit more time. I mean, she's mentioned in the books a couple times, but she doesn't really have much screen time, you know, page time. Um, and so I like that scene, giving her a nice speech. I also thought it was really interesting. It's very clear in the movie how much better of a, a leader and speaker she is than coin. At least to me, it was a striking contrast between the speech we get at the end of the first part one mm-hmm. uh, that coin gives and the speech that Paler gives hers feels much more authentic and real and, uh, and genuine. And I, I do think that it, 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 it then made me think that my question about whether or not coins sort of lack of uh, speaking prowess or, or the fact that I didn't find her particularly compelling as a public speaker may have been on purpose um, at least somewhat to make us like Paler more when we see her in comparison yeah. to Coin. Yeah, Because she seems much more of a like a genuine leader. Mm-hmm. I also liked that in that speech, she specifically tells the soldiers that they're not to target the citizens yeah. in the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much, it's the movie, and, and the book does it to some extent, clear, uh, like I said, especially because we know where we know that ends up that, the the movie goes um make sure that we see like the positive traits in paler that we don't see in yeah. coin yeah so we talked about how katniss sneaks to the capital in the movie which is contrasted with the book where she is sent there I do like that the movie has boggs and the propos team then show up in the capital after the conversation between Plutarch and Coin, where they're talking about basically about how they're going to take credit for whatever Katniss ends up doing. Yeah. I, I like, I overall, I think I liked the way that the book gets her to the Capitol better, but I did like the way that the movie like self corrected back to what the book's yeah. trajectory is. It, it does pretty much, I kind of had this in the movie, nailed it because she ends up with the same squad yeah. with the same mission, basically. And so. I had it in the movie nail because it does feel like even though she gets there differently, we ultimately end up. Yeah, we end up right back in the, the same, same place kind of doing the same kind of thing. And I thought it was interesting because when she initially sneaks off to the Capitol, I was like, how is this going to work? Yeah. How is she going to do anything without her team with her? Yeah. Um, but the movie brought it back around. Mm-hmm. 
I also liked as we get into the Capitol, uh, we see the bridge that got blown up Dude, in I the first that. Mockingjay. I'm pretty sure it's the same bridge. Wasn't that a different district, though? It wasn't the Capitol. It was District 5 or something. But they when they up. blow it up, we see like the lights go out in the Capitol, like in the background. So I'm pretty sure it was the same bridge. Uh, I'll take your word for it. I have no idea. Well, if well it they, was, they blew up a dam. They didn't blow up a bridge. A dam bridge, yeah. Okay. It, it, I swear it was the same thing. It, it very Maybe well, I'm I, wrong. No, no, no. You, I, I didn't see that at all. So I'm, I'm not. Yeah, you very well. It's very likely correct. I just, I didn't. I missed that part. I must have been taking a note. There was also a little moment where Finnick was helping Peta with his lines for the propo. Yeah, I, I thought, thought that was, was sweet. Yeah, yeah, they were like doing lines together. So I actually, we talked about this a little bit earlier about how they changed when League, League, uh, I called them Liege in my head, but they're League in, yeah. the, in the movie. In in the book, one of them dies early on, and that's when Peta shows up to replace her. I, I since they make that, the, I like the change here that they end up, they're both alive when they go into the capital. And there's a moment where in the when the mine goes off, one of them gets injured. Mm-hmm. And then... Our, the rest of our team is moving forward with their mission to assassinate Snow, but uh, the two leagues are going to stay behind. Her sister is going to stay there to wait for their sending, you know, help or whatever, an extraction team or whatever is going to come get them out because League Two or whatever can't walk. Um, and I did like having them changing that to, to giving them that moment where the, the peacekeepers show up and then we our our team has moved across the street and they start shooting at the peacekeepers and the peacekeepers like blow them up and kind of like yeah. a final stand kind of moment. And then also using that then for the propo, the Capitol then uses footage of that, of them blowing up the building that the leagues are in for the propo. I thought that made a lot of sense and was a good mm-hmm. change. I also thought it was interesting that the Capitol used footage of PETA killing Mitchell mm-hmm. yeah. in their propo. Yeah, because it's something that PETA is very broken up about, and they discuss, like, the team discusses and, like, you know, argues about and stuff, but it's not something that, as far as we're aware, that the Capitol had footage of or yeah. knew about or anything like that. But it does make sense then. Yeah, that they would try to use that to, like, sow yeah. discord. Yeah. I love, there's a moment where... uh Coin cuts in. Snow is giving a speech mm-hmm. on uh, giving a, a little propo. I think it's about um, Ka- yeah, it's it's after about Katniss. Katniss. They think Katniss. This is during the, the thing where they announce that they're all dead, and Snow is talking about him. And and Snow calls. Uh, he says about Katniss that she was a face picked from the ma- or plucked from the masses. And then Coin cuts in, and she's like countering Snow's little speech, and she says. A face picked from the masses, he called her. And then it cuts back to Snow, and he goes, plucked. And I <laughs> loved the that little moment of Snow is indignancy at her butchering his beautiful prose. <laughs> it so fits Snow. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, I use that word for a very specific reason. You know, plucked, not picked. I just, it's so great. I thought that was a fantastic moment. I also liked Coin's line... Um, coming off of that, uh, a face picked from the masses as if a leader could be anything but. Because mm-hmm. I, I thought it was like a perfect kind of written sounding line coming from Coin, mm-hmm. like a line that's intended to do something. What do you mean? Like, um, like I could tell that it was a line that she had chosen with purpose 
to convey a specific meaning. Oh. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, like, because she as saying, like, prepping people for yeah. her. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yes. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a little scene where one of the, I don't know, an assistant or something comes into Snow's office and he's like passed out on his desk, mm-hmm. just laying there. And she walks in and she's like, President Snow. And then he gets up and she's like, should I call your doctor? And he's like, no, I'm fine or whatever. And I like just another little scene sort of setting up his failing health. Yeah. Because that's, that is the case in the, in the book is that he is sort of, um, the, the effects of the poison are slowly, slowly creeping up on him and making him, you know. He's in, he's in yeah. ill health because of it. Getting but weaker and weaker. Yeah, I liked giving a scene where we actually see that. I also like that the movie takes the little hollow map that they have, uh, the little hollow projector map thing, and adds like a heartbeat sensor thing to it so that when we're in the tunnels, we get like uh, very reminiscent of Alien or Aliens, mm. the little sensors they have. That, and it's not exactly the same, but we hear like it sounds like it's got like a like a heartbeat sensor on it or mm-hmm. something. And if you ever seen Alien or Aliens, they have like this little sensor that they look at that like is how they tell how where the alien is, you know. And it's like getting closer and closer. It adds like this layer of tension. And, and I th- I thought they were definitely going for um, sort of a little callback, a little. Uh, I thought it was a nice nod to to Alien or Aliens. Yeah. I also so the mutt reveal in the movie is exciting uh jackson i don't remember when jackson dies in the book i don't either i think it might just be uh, at the same time with like fennec and them yeah i think so um in the movie we get this like there's nothing there's nothing and then the camera turns around and the light the light turns around or something and they're like a bunch of them behind jackson yeah it's a very you know it's a fun jump scare um and then we also get to see we actually get like a, a a cool fight in the sewers, and we actually get to see Katniss like using her bow mm-hmm. to kill these mutts and stuff, and doing things. We actually get in the movie; they're kind of just, or in the book, they're kind of just running. Yeah, there's a like, lot of like running, running, and, and there's really not really them. much of the fighting. And they actually get—I mean, they do shoot them a, and stuff a few times, but I liked getting an actual sort of action sequence there and getting to see Katniss show off her skills a little bit. Yeah, and I also thought that having like Peta save her from one of them and then her saving him back in turn was a nice a nice little touch for them yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Uh also Finnick before he dies gets a, a bit of a hero moment. He gets to, you know, save Katniss at one point and kill a bunch of people. Also they didn't introduce a cool Thor's hammer trident for him <laughs> to only for him to not use it in the yeah. movie. He has like a, a, a like a trident that has like the 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 prongs on it are like collapsible like you can mm-hmm. like open and shut them um but in the book it's mentioned that he has a trident that he can throw and then he has like a bracelet that he can hit a button on and it and it calls it back to his hand via yeah. magnets or whatever yeah. and he literally never uses it in yeah. the book and i again i have a note about that later i'll talk about but I was I appreciate that the movie didn't introduce that and then never they just introduced a slightly less cool spear and he does get to use it at least a little bit. At one point in the sewers when they're kind of resting, Peta gives this speech about all the people who died. Uh, oh, this is after they get out of the sewers. Sorry, this is um, when they're in Tigress's place. Um, and and Peta gives this speech. Uh, Katniss has a line in the movie about um, how about everybody died for nothing or something like that. And Peta gives this speech about all the people who died and how they didn't mean anything because they all belong to the capital to snow, but they can make them mean something if they mm-hmm. can, you know, sort of. And I really liked that. Um, 
I thought it was a nice speech. Uh, it's not from the book from my memory, or if it is, it's very different. Um, and I also thought it was interesting to add, to sort of give PETA, a, and, and I don't think he ever really has any of these moments in the, in the book, um, where he does, he is, he's, he's getting better to the point that he's actually sort of giving a speech in favor of the the revolution in favor yeah. of the fight that they're yeah. they're they're doing because he has in the past expressed sort of revolutionary sentiments in mm-hmm. previous books um never to the extent that like Gale or anybody did but he has there have been lines at different times where he you know and and his it's definitely his defiant attitude towards the capital and their and everything that the awful things that they do and so I thought giving him that scene here again adds another little moment of showing his recovery back to being, you know, PETA. Snow cuts in and gives another propo at one point. And this line, I'm pretty sure, was not in the book. He's talking about it. They now know they're alive again or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gives this speech about how he will, they will hunt, they will hunt down all of the re- rebels to, to my dying breath. And as he says that, Katniss just sort of like offhandedly says, you should hurry up with that last part, which I thought was funny. <laughs> so we find out in both the book and the movie that uh, capital refugees are being invited to Snow's mansion. But I liked the way that the movie uh, had him personally give that invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes up on the on the screen um, and like personally invites everyone to come to his mansion yeah which i think in the book we just find out from like somebody on the street or a peacekeeper maybe yeah i think i slightly prefer the uh the way the whole bombing plays out in the movie it's very similar i could have put it in the movie nailed it i think it's fair i think that the the setup for the scene and the way it plays out just makes it a little clearer about what's actually happening. I agree. In the movie versus the book. It's one of my biggest negatives with the book overall. And we've talked about this. I think one of Suzanne Collins's weakest points is writing action. I don't mm-hmm. think she's particularly good at it. And I, I often have a hard time grasping. Not a hard time, but it's not always you. You get yeah. what's going on, but it's not super. You can't. It's not super clear necessarily exactly like where everybody is how events are playing yeah. out in the same way that um it is in, in other in in certain other books and that sort of thing and writing action is very difficult and people have varying levels of skill with it and it's very it's it's interesting um the whole you know the process of writing action and how that works i just don't think she's particularly good mm-hmm. at it which is not the point right. of the book so it's fine well yeah action is hard to write and i think it's doubly even hard when you're trying to make it a little bit ambiguous yeah like if you're if your main character isn't quite sure what's happening yeah or, yeah and because that is that that does i guess that also kind of ties in and works thematically as because it's always supposed to be chaotic and right. intentionally kind of hard to understand what's going on that being said it can make it a little and like frustrating to read like it's mm-hmm. a little like just Again, you get it. Like you can get what's happening. It's just not super clear in a way that doesn't feel necessarily intentional all the time. Um, and so I thought this scene was way easier to tell what was going on. I liked the setup for it more, where the because the president has called everybody to come into the Capitol 
or into his mansion and they're like bringing all the kids in first basically they're doing like a women and children first kind of thing and then they're like we're about to open the gates it it all felt like it just it felt more natural and I, i was able to gather what was going on a lot easier um and so ultimately i thought that part the scene and then the bombs falling with the parachutes and then them going off again all of it i thought just was a little clearer worked a little bit better than reading it it, it all plays out identically, but yeah, uh, I, th- I thought the movie did a good job with it. Also, they get to have Katniss in a cool jacket, a cool coat, <laughs> instead of makeup and <laughs> a wig. I think I ultimately prefer the way that the movies used Effie over the book. She's mm-hmm. not in this one a ton, uh, but in the book, she literally just shows up at the end but we don't learn anything about what happened to her. Oh yeah. Like surely she was arrested and tortured, but it's just never addressed. Never addressed yeah. And it feels a little bit pointless. Yeah, it does. I agree. I, I much prefer that um, the movie has her back in the whole time or mm-hmm. both of these movies have her in the whole time. And then, yeah, cause it, it does feel like she just kind of shows up and we don't, it's like, well, we never know what happened or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, much better uh, to use the, the use Effie the way the movie does. I like that at the end of so after everything happens, her interaction with Gail. Uh, we talked about the scene a lot, but at the very end of it, she get, says goodbye, Gail. At the like in the, I like giving that a finality that mm-hmm. the book doesn't really have. I looked it up to see how it ends in the book, and it, her, I don't remember what her last line to him is, but it's not quite as concrete. The last thing she says to him in the book is, was it your bomb? And then he, you know, goes on to say, I don't know. And you're this BT. Does it matter? You always be thinking about it. He waits for me to deny it. I want to deny it, but it's true. Even now I can see the flash that ignites her, feel the heat of the flames. And I'll never be able to separate that moment from Gail. My silence is my answer. Uh, that was one thing I had going for me. Take care of your family. Shoot straight. Okay. And then he leaves. Mm. And I, I don't, I, I don't mind the silence either. I think both scenes work well. I just liked her saying goodbye to him and yeah. giving it a little bit more finality. The victors meeting where they vote could be in the movie nailed it. It's very, very similar. Yeah. Pretty much identical. My favorite moment in this is the moment where Katniss says yes. And then Hamish looks at her and then they say, Hamish, your turn to vote. And he look, and then Katniss looks at him and they communicate this without a word. And I thought it was way more obvious in the movie that he's agreeing with her for a very specific reason because he knows she has some sort of plan. Yeah. Whereas that didn't come across in the book to me. Uh, and it initially it was like, wait, why did she vote yes? And then I remembered what happened. And I was like, oh, okay, I get why she voted yes. But then why did Hamish vote yes? And he says, I I'm, I go, or I whatever the I'm Mockingjay. With, I'm with the Mockingjay. Um, but the movie just gives us that moment where he looks at her and kind of is like, because he would be surprised that she voted yes. And so he's like, well, she must have had a reason. And that look, I really liked that. And to me, it sold what was going on there a lot better because we don't get any sort of inkling of that in the book other than the line. I'm, uh, I, I side with the Mockingjay or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I prefer that scene in, overall in the movie. I also thought that having Katniss give a yes vote on the condition that she gets to kill Snow was interesting because we talked about that in movie one. We were like, why? Because that's one of her initial 
like demands for being yeah. the Mockingjay. And we were like, well, why did they cut that out? And I thought this made sense and it was an interesting way, again, kind of looping around back to the book's trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think because initially, like I said, I was a little confused at why she would say yes. And I was like, oh, well, she's going along with the plan. Yeah. She's saying yes, because she knows if she says no. Things are going to be it's going to be a nightmare because at this moment, after coin has suggested this, she has made up her mind at what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. And so she says yes, in order to to get move on things along to that point. I also liked the final speech that coin gives. As right before Katniss is supposed to execute Snow, mm-hmm. I thought it had a lot of interesting lines in it. Yeah, well, the line I wrote down was "May your aim be as true as your heart is pure," which yeah. is a nice. It adds they add some some nice sort of iron like uh, what's um, dramatic iron, irony mm-hmm. to the <laughs> to yeah. the uh, to the scene with her giving this whole speech and then getting shot in the chest. I also liked the cut back to Plutarch Mm -hmm. right after she kills Coin. It's like this cut back and he has this little wry smile on his face like, oh, that Katniss. There she goes again. What a scamp. See, and that's how I read it is not even that so much as like. I, I read. Yeah, I loved that moment in the movie. Um, but it's funny because based on what I was talking about earlier, if you, if you go with the movies and sort of added implication that this was Plutarch's goal all along, that changes the nature of that look. I agree. But I think even without that, it still works. Cause I, yeah. cause that's, this is before that look is before we get to the part right. at the end where it's revealed. And that in, maybe this like was in that initial along. moment, I just read it yeah. as him like. He maybe wasn't expecting it, but he's not surprised. He's not surprised and he's not even mad about it. No. Like he's not even like cuz he again, he wasn't a big fan of coin and I also I I like he on top of all of that, he's a fan of spectacle. He's a yes. fan of drama and just there's nothing more spectacular yeah. and dramatic he lives than that for the moment. drama. And so that yes, that that sort of that respect he has for Katniss that um but also just you know, everything about it. It also is a little bit, I think, because I think there is a little bit of what the movie is doing of, of of him. I think that that when that happens, I don't think the movie's implication that this was like his plan or that or whatever is true or is what the book is going for. But I think in that moment, it totally makes sense that uh, even without this being his grand plan, that he's not upset about it. Like, mm-hmm. he's okay with it. Like, he didn't like Coin. He doesn't want her to be a leader or, you know, the president or whatever. And, yeah, I, I, there's so many, there's so much going on in that little reaction shot. It's so good, and I loved it. And, we, yeah, there's nothing at all like that in the book. I preferred the movie whisking Katniss away with the promise to later pardon her. yeah rather than what the book does, which is have her acquitted due to quote unquote insanity. Yeah. It makes way more sense that they yeah. would just remove her and then eventually it gets sorted out and they're like, we'll, we'll deal with you later. And then once everything kind of calms down and things come out, the new president pardons her and is like, all mm-hmm. right, we get it. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, that and makes probably sense. quietly pardons her. Yeah, exactly. I really, really loved this movie's last moment between Cadness and Effie mm-hmm. and Hamish. Yeah, I so good. I had the yeah, I also had this scene. Um 
she gets to say goodbye and Effie has a great line to Katniss about um oh god I can't remember what it is now about um living the a victor's life for basically mm-hmm. just like be happy like is yeah. kind of like the point of it <laughs> and then she kisses Hamish they kiss each other nice little uh, late implication that maybe there was more going on there than we were privy to which is fun i also thought the movie having them get a letter from annie was a good way to communicate like some of the things that we learn in the denouement of this book about like, mm-hmm. where her mother is um what gail is up to yeah, all that kind of stuff makes a lot of sense yeah we get to see the picture of uh, annie and her son yeah and my my last note here <laughs> Um, when they're watching Paylor be sworn in on TV and you can see Haymitch standing in the background, still in a position of power. And I think, or not Haymitch, Plutarch. Plutarch yeah. Geez. But I think it's Haymitch that says this yes. line. Yeah. yeah. And Haymitch says, and they say no one ever wins the games. Yeah. I thought that line was in the, was that not in the book? I don't remember it being in the book. I don't remember now either. Um, but maybe it was. Uh, and yeah, they just didn't, maybe Katniss just thought it. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the book or not, um, but it is, it is, it's a, yeah, I like that edition as well. Well, if it was in the book, then I liked giving it to Hamish yes. as they're watching him on TV. Yeah, because it is a callback a little bit, too, to a line from a previous one where they say uh, nobody, they say nobody decent ever wins the games. And Hamish, yeah. and Hamish I think, is the one who says nobody ever wins the games or nobody mm. wins, or he says something like very similar to that. There's a line like that in one in Catching Fire, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Catching Fire. And it it, it feels like a callback to that. I, I thought, yeah, I agree. I thought it was good. All right, let's go ahead now and talk about what the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Katniss wants to get out of District 13 because the stuff with PETA is too stressful. And she's like, send me to two. And they that's like the... I thought that actually might be the end of the first part of the movie might be like, send me to two and then like, mm-hmm. we go. Um, but it's how it kind of what we open up on in this movie. And she has that line, send me to two. Yeah. And there's another line and I, I don't remember. It happens, I think earlier in the movie than it does in the book. They move that bit. scene up quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. I couldn't remember when we were taking notes, but she, she kisses Gail being very unsure about all of her feelings yeah. yet again. Um, and he says that it's like kissing someone who's drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That, that same scene happens and it's, he's, he can sense her sort of confusion and unease. Yeah. Uh, also we have the scene where BT and Gail are just over here designing war crimes and then Katniss confronts them about it. It's just bespoke war crimes. Yeah. Just out here, like <laughs> just coming up with war, literal war crimes. <laughs> and Katniss is like, Hey, maybe we don't war crime. And they're like, nah, maybe we do. She also has a line, too, which I think was also earlier in the book, but um, where, where Gail is talking about how, like, why it's justified for them to kill the, the workers and the soldiers in two. And Katniss is like, you can kill anyone you want with yeah. that kind of justification. You can justify sending kids into the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of a a foreshadowing for the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so the the leader of District Two in the book is uh, Lime, and uh, she was a former uh, Hunger Games victor. And uh, her description is very brief in the in the book, but it is that she is six foot tall and muscular. Yeah, and so they cast Gwendolyn Christie. I <laughs> uh, say so could have been borderline better in the movie because Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Christie, but I'll say that the movie nailed it. I wish she would have been in more of it. Yeah. honestly. I mean to be fair, Lime's not right. I mean, that they're in like one scene, but 
Yeah. Nah, but they could have put her in. Could have put her in it. more. You cast Gwendolyn Christie, put her in more of your movie. Uh, so the basic description of the nut and then their plan to disable it was ripped right out of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, their eventual decision not to to blow up the train tunnels so that at least some people can kind of get out and mm-hmm. they don't just kill everybody in there. Uh, and then eventually, once the, the, speaking of that train. Uh, kid, they take Katniss to two to kind of convince the rest of the the remaining loyalists to give up. And right as she starts giving a speech, the train arrives, and that whole confrontation between her and the the first soldier that kind of stumbles off the train is identical. They're like, "Give me one reason I shouldn't kill you," and she says, "I can't," uh, or I think he says, "Shoot you" in the movie, but either yeah. Way. Um, and she says, I can't. And everything about that, uh, the, the the line in particular that is my favorite. Um, she says, do it. Make the capital happy. I'm done killing their slaves. And he says, I'm not a slave. And she says, I am. Like, oof, really powerful stuff. Uh, really well acted, that whole scene. I kept thinking that was John Bernthal, but it's not. It just kind of looked like John <laughs> Bernthal. Um, but the cinematography in that scene, really, it's really dark. It's well sh- uh, Everything about that scene was perfect. I, yeah, I thought that scene was pretty spot on. One little change that I did like that I would potentially put in better in the movie is that I liked that part of that speech to that one survivor was delivered quietly at like close quarters. That is, yeah. They're like right in each other's faces. Yeah, that is a good, yeah, I agree. That, that is a slight change because it's not, I don't know if it's super clear how they're, I, they I sound think they're, fur- it, it sounds, seems like they're, seems further, like they're further, further apart from yeah. each other in the book. Yeah, I agree. I like that moment too. Because yeah, she like goes in to help him and then he pulls a gun. Yeah. Uh, once we get back into District 13, we have Joanna stealing Katniss's morphling drip mm-hmm. in the hospital. And Katniss feels so guilty that she, like, because Joanna's situation has a lot to do with her. Like, she was helping her in mm-hmm. the ring. That's why she was captured and all that. So she doesn't, she doesn't complain about it. She just lets yeah. her steal her morphling. That whole scene with them in the hospital is pretty word for word. There's a particular exchange that I like where Katniss is like, you should have been the Mockingjay. They wouldn't even have to tell you what to say. Yeah. And Joanna says, yeah, but nobody likes me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Uh, We get the introduction of the hollow map and the the fact that it's voice activated and self-destructible. And that's all. All the details of the hollow map are pretty much identical. Um, They kept that exactly the same. Oh, after PETA shows up when they're in the Capitol, uh, we get Boggs admitting that Coin has never liked Katniss, mm-hmm. uh, that she wanted PETA rescued and not Katniss, and that part of this is all about Coin not thinking that Katniss would support her as yeah. the new leader, um, and that she's potentially of more use to the rebellion dead. Yeah. Yeah, that, that part, second part isn't mentioned in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. the martyr part, but the first part yeah. is. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty much identical. Uh, yeah, it, it, even down to the like the uh, who you know. But you'll throw your support behind somebody after the war, and would it be coin? And she doesn't say anything. Is the fact that you hesitated, or you know, whatever it's something yeah. like that. The fact that you you didn't immediately answer is all the you know justification she needs, or something like that. And there was another like a little exchange in that scene between them that I like. Uh, where Boggs says, I plan for you to have a long life. And Katniss is like, well, why? You don't owe me anything. And he says, because you've earned it. Yeah, Boggs has some... It's very clear at several times in this book. There's a specific moment, and I I didn't write down the page number, and I wish I, I had so I could find the, the, the part that made it stick out in my head. But it's very clear that... Um, Katniss sees Boggs as like a, a surrogate father kind yeah. of figure, kind of. yeah. 
she mentions there's a line specifically in this book at some point, And like I said, I didn't write the page number down where she's thinking about Boggs and, and ties it to her dad in not in a way that's subtle enough that it's not like her outright saying like, Oh, he kind of is like my dad or anything like that. But mm-hmm. there, it's very clear that in her head, they're tied together. And like, she sees him in the same way that she saw her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play real or not real. Mm-hmm. With the real Peta. or not real game. Not real, yep. real or not real game. Uh, which leads to Katniss telling Peta some things about himself uh, and a recall to the conversation about their favorite colors. Yeah. And, and, uh, and catching orange, fire. But not bright orange. Orange like a sunset. Mm-hmm. They also give Peta an unloaded gun to shoot the propo. Uh, in the book, it technically has blanks, and in the movie, it's just empty. But yeah. same idea. Yeah. Uh, Bog's death is, aside from like the, the change we talked about earlier, yeah. it's it's pretty spot on. Uh, he transfers command to Katniss and uh, basically tells her, don't trust them. Do what you have to do. Although I, I do think do what you came to do. Mm-hmm. It might be better. I also in the movie, they change his line from kill PETA in the book. He just says, don't trust anyone. Kill PETA yeah. and do what you have to do or whatever. And in the movie, he says, don't trust them. Kill PETA if you have to. Yeah. So they add the if you have to <laughs> to that in the in the movie, which, you know, it's fine. I think it I do prefer that because it does feel more in line with what with Boggs anyways. I He doesn't seem like. Yeah, I, I like I get it in both scenarios, but kill him if you have to feels just I don't know. I feel like it works better. Um, I agree. But it's fine. Either way is fine. Uh, we get the wave, uh, the giant wave of gross tar, mm-hmm. Peta losing it. Yeah, attacking Katniss. Yeah, and ultimately killing Mitchell. Yeah. Um, and once they're they're kind of out of out of that, Katniss lies to the crew and says she's on a secret mission for coin to assassinate Snow. And uh, Cressida lies and backs her up. And yeah, Katniss can't really figure out why. Yeah. She's like, all right, I'm just going to go along with it. Uh, we get our emergency broadcast that identifies them all and pronounces them dead. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny in the movie because some of them just don't have last names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really like, yeah. They didn't even make up no, last names up for last them. It's just like Cressida. <laughs> all right. I guess that's your whole name. Yeah. Maybe people from the capital don't have. Well, that's last what I thought names. too. But then, but but we know that's not true because Claudius Temple Smith and like, yeah, uh, that's fair. And uh, whatever Stanley Tucci's character's name yeah. is, and and Snow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, but then at the end of that, they're like, "What's our next move?" And Peta's like, "It's obvious, isn't it obvious? Our next move is to kill me." They're like, okay, Peta, calm down, calm down. Um, yeah. But uh, Gail does agree to do it if things go bad. Yeah. If it gets to that point, I'll kill you myself. Uh, they they included Coin's eulogy for Katniss, who, who she comes in. We talked about a little bit earlier about some of the additions the movie made to that. But uh, the the Coin's giving her a eulogy, and it cuts back at one point to Katniss, and she says, "I had no idea how much I meant to her." <laughs> and Gail <laughs>, laughs at it, and that seems right out of the book. And I was hoping they would keep that in, and they did. We mentioned earlier that Pollux worked in the sewers in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, aside from taking out Peta's line, this was pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, we find out that he didn't see the sun for five years. Yeah, he got, it been, essentially, they like, they had to, he got put down there and then they had to, 
like indentured servitude basically yeah. and they uh, they had to wait until they could him and caster had to save enough money to buy him out of the sewers basically yeah um and i i read a note in the when i was prepping for the prequel that in the movie when they get down there he signs like home sweet home or something Ugh, like that gosh. something like that um which I thought was it's kind of an interesting. I liked that he signs pretty often in the movie and they mm-hmm. never like subtitle it or anything, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so they travel for like a, a long time and I we get a bit of a, a good montage of the sewer travel because in the book it's like hours and hours and hours that they're traveling through these sewers. Um, but but they make good time because Pollux knows, you know, all the ins and outs of the sewers. And we get like I said, we get kind of a travel montage in the movie. Uh, and then we get a, a conversation that I really wasn't expecting where they PETA talks about um, how the uh, he, they have a conversation about the tracker jacker venom and how it turns some of his memories, the, the stuff that they the memories that they were putting into him with the tracker jacker venom and trying to like corrupt those memories are like shiny. Mm-hmm. And that's how he can tell the difference kind of between mm-hmm. what's real and what is not um, and what's like tracker jacker venom induced nightmare stuff. Um, and they added, they kept that, that conversation in the, in the film. And then we mentioned earlier, but the, you're still trying to protect me real or not real. Yeah. And then the tunnels start hissing Katniss's name, which I thought was very appropriately creepy in the movie. Yeah. I thought it took too long to get to the point where you could tell they were hissing Katniss, but once it did, it was creepy. Like at first it was just like, you couldn't, I, at least I could not tell that it was saying Katniss, Mm -hmm. but eventually it, it becomes pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, so Masala, I kind of had this in better in the book, but they change it in a way that I understand for the movie and at least was interesting. In the in the book, Masala runs into, they're running through the sewers, and at one point he runs into this trap that like hits him with a beam of gold light, and the description in the book is horrifying. He like melts. Yeah. And again, I realized they couldn't do. Well, actually, they probably could because I'm pretty sure Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was going to say I pictured it like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, but that style. being said, that was an '80s PG or a '70s '70s. Eight. No, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the '70s. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was seven, like '70. Eh, maybe not. Maybe it was. I, I could have <laughs> swore the first one was late '70s. No, it was '81. Okay, that was yeah. Uh, so, but that's still, it's an 80s PG-13 right. versus a 2015 PG-13. I don't know if you can melt humans in PG-13 <laughs> movies anymore. And so that seems way more horrifying and terrible in the book. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he, I assume it's him, somebody, you, it's so quick, it's hard yeah, to tell who Yeah, you see him is. like vaporize, basically. A gold beam of light comes down and he like turns into dust and like falls on the ground. Yeah. And it's very surprising. But I thought that was the thing that I liked about the movie's version, even though it's not as brutal is that it? Um, they turn it into like a bigger trap, and as they're running, these lights are like coming on around them, and they're like dodging them, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting, at least kind of interesting. I don't know. I thought that was a a good way to do it for a PG thirteen movie to still include that and not have it, you know, be quite as terrible. <laughs> I thought the movie pretty much nailed Tigress. I agree. Yeah, I, I did picture her looking like a little older and rougher. I agree with that too. Yeah, but otherwise, I thought the movie did a pretty good job. Yeah, she's basically just a cat. Uh, the skin has been pulled back slightly, tightly and tattooed with black and gold stripes. The nose has been flattened until it barely exists. I've seen cat whiskers on people in the capital before, but none so long. The result is a grotesque semi-feline mask, which now squints at us distrustfully. So we and they also uh, she used to be a stylist for the games, but now she hates the capital because they like 
basically banned her. They forced mm-hmm. her to leave because they, they they don't really go into detail exactly no. why, but basically because I, I I get the idea that is that because she maybe went too far in her body modification. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is necessarily. But. Yeah, I think it's kind of alluded to that she was like no longer aesthetically pleasing enough yeah. to be on TV. Yeah. So whether that's because of like two extreme body mods or maybe just because she got old. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I also thought this was a really interesting sort of um this moment in the book is an interesting combination. We've talked about in the previous one about how it, it feels like um, Collins is sort of negatively judging citizens of the uh, capital for their body modifications. And mm-hmm. that is supposed to be seen as uh, the ultimate per- point of it is that it is this sort of extravagant, um, unnecessary, frivolous, yeah. frivolous uh, 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 obsession with aesthetics. And that's kind of the point. But that being said, it still does have a a knock on effect of being weirdly judgmental and kind of gross mm-hmm. or sort of um, taking somebody's personal like choice, life choices and, and, and ju- you know, adding a moral sort of um, ju- judgment on them. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because Tigris is the this character who is like the most extreme example of the, the Capitol's body mods. And the, the the thing I just read is the language used is fairly judgmental. Uh, the result is a grotesque, semi-feeling mask, which now squints at us distrustfully. Uh, behind the counter sits the strangest person I've ever seen. Uh, she's an extreme example example of surgical enhancement gone gone wrong. For surely not even in the capital could they find this face attractive. Mm-hmm. And so it's very judgmental and like shitty, but. Also, the story humanizes Tigris, goes on to from yeah. that humanized Tigris yeah. in a way that um, sort of um, undercuts that initial reaction. Like mm-hmm. that Katniss's initial appraisal of her is undercut a little bit by, again, is undercut as we move forward with sort of and learn a little bit more about Tigris and Katniss starts to like her a little bit. Um, I thought that was a really interesting sort of uh, juxtaposition of those two opinions on the body mods of the Capitol. And I think it almost feels a little bit like a self-correction, potentially. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about how it, it, it felt weird and kind of gross to me in the first one, that the idea of body mods is like this... Again, it's, it, a, yeah, it's, it's a sign it, of moral it's a, value. It's a sign of moral uh, decay mm-hmm. and, and degeneracy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and, which is, is something I, I was like not a fan of. That that sort of again that moral judgment on that it just felt weird and regressive to me. Um, and this feels like a little a little bit of a correction in that Katniss has that reaction still initially, but then looks past it and sees who a little bit past that and sees the humanity in her. I don't know. I, it's not perfect, but I thought it was an interesting little scene. I, I don't, or an interesting little, um, sort of vignette. The, the movie doesn't really go into that detail. The, yeah. But it, yeah, it's interesting. I loved this moment in the book. I yeah. was glad that the movie did a good job with it. So after they get there, uh, Katniss is freaking out. She confesses that, she made up the whole mission that she was supposedly on to kill snow and everyone is just like, Oh yeah, we, oh, yeah. we know. Yeah. Yeah. We're aware. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're like, yeah, we're, we're down. 
we 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 know we came for yeah that's why we're here and i was i was really hoping that the movie would just skip the scene ripped straight from the pages <laughs> of eclipse yeah no such luck but we got it yeah they have a uh, gail and peta have a nice little discussion about um Katniss while she's sleeping or while they, Wait, think, while they she's think she's sleeping. I will say this scene is not remotely as gross as it is. It's not as Twilight bad as the one in Eclipse. In Eclipse or it's not as bad. Not remotely. They're not discussing her agency in a way that removes it from her in this. At least it didn't feel like it to me. Yeah, but they are still talking about like, oh, which one of us will she choose? It is still, yes, but... It's the same idea. It's the same idea. It's just executed in a not gross puritanical way, like in not yeah. in the same like regressive puritanical way that and like misogynistic way that um, I can't remember her name. Stephanie Meyer did it. Mm. Um, it's still not great, and there are moments of it that are worse, better, and worse. I just yeah, but the whole scene is in the movie like identically, basically. And we get Gail's line. Katniss will pick whoever she thinks she can't survive without, which Katniss goes on to interpret extremely literally. And I feel like that's not quite how Gail meant it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She does go on to interpret it incredibly literally. And though I don't know because so I had this in better in the book because um, I liked getting her extra being in her head and, and mm -hmm. listening to her kind of figure out what she thought this conversation meant. And, and in particular, there's a moment um, as she's sitting there after they say that uh, at the, you know, about who she'll pick in her head. She thinks at the moment, the choice would be simple. I can survive just fine without any of them. <laughs> I also thought this whole moment was a really good acknowledgement. This is what I thought was made the scene interesting. Um, and I'm going to see if I can find the exact lines that made me think this that the um, is a really good acknowledgement of how society weaponizes women's emotions against them while also judging them as cold if they hide said emotion mm. or or you know suppress said emotion uh, a chill runs through me am i really that cold and calculating gail didn't say katniss will pick whoever it will break her heart to give up or even whoever she can't live without those would have implied i was motivated by a kind of passion but my best friend predicts i will choose the person who i think i can't survive without there's not the least indication that love or desire or even combat compatibility will sway me. I'll just conduct an unfeeling assessment of what my potential mates can offer me, as if in the end it will be the question of whether a baker or a hunter will extend my longevity the most. It's a horrible thing for Gail to say, for Peta not to refute, especially when every emotion I have has been taken and exploited by the capital or the rebels. At the moment, the choice would be simple. I can survive just fine without either of them. That was the line. Especially when every emotion I have has been taken and exploited by the capital or the rebels. Mm -hmm. And I think that line really stuck with me because it does. I think that's so true, you know, taken even well outside the context of, of Katniss and the Hunger Games is that anytime it's there's such a fine line that our Western and all our society um, allows women to exist within, mm -hmm. which is. You have to be emotional, but if you're too emotional, you're 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 a wreck. You're an emotional, you know, um, you're, crazy. You're crazy. You're a crazy bitch or whatever. Um, and 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 you you're easily influenced by your emotions, and you can't make cold logical. You know, you you're not logical. You're 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 you know. But if it goes too far the other way, you're immediately a cold, calculating bitch cold, who's frigid, frigid who doesn't you know who. Um, 
Yeah, and so it, it's there's such a fine line that women are expected to ride, and I think that that moment really captured that in a way that I found compelling. Mm-hmm. But moving forward a little bit, I thought the movie uh, nailed when Gail gets captured and Katniss like can't bring herself to shoot him. I I didn't have this anywhere because I actually thought I didn't know which I felt. I preferred is that in the book, it seemed pretty clear to me that she didn't realize she can't hear what he's saying in the book. He's yelling at her, but she can't hear him. She realizes afterward he was asking me to shoot him and she goes, I "I failed him again or something like that. In the movie, she can hear him say, shoot me. And she goes to shoot him, but then can't to me. It's slightly, it's a different Mm -hmm. thing. Like the, in the book, she's sort of caught in the moment and doesn't realize what's going on and doesn't know what to do and, and sort of fails by, by not acting, but, but doesn't even realize that she should be acting. Whereas in the movie she has, she starts to act and then stops. That's fair. Which is slightly different. Um, I don't actually know which I prefer though. Like I don't know which feels better. (laughs) So I don't, I didn't have, I didn't put it in any of my segments or any of the specific parts because I wasn't sure which I thought was better. I think I originally liked the book version more where she just can't because he's far enough away. She can't really hear him. And then mm-hmm. she realizes later and that weighs on her that like, oh, my God, I could have because I think the thing that bothers me in the movie is that I think book Katniss and again, it's movie Katniss versus book Katniss. I think if she had heard him and realized in the moment in the book, mm-hmm. I think she would have shot him. Probably. I think she would have. I think Katniss would have been able to do that. Good thing she didn't. But I think she would have, and I think she would have been able to. And so movie Katniss sort of not being able to bring herself to do it, I don't know. I I, I guess I buy it. I don't know. I feel like she would have been able to do it, though. Maybe. Maybe not. Again, the book implies that she didn't realize until after it all transpired that, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I, I should have shot him. And then she feels guilty for not shooting him, but... Similar, similar, just slightly different. Uh, Hamish then goes on to explain how the rebels won the day the bombs went off and they're just kind of wrapping things up and snow um, is awaiting trial. I mean, he kind of similarly explains things. Yeah. In the, yeah, in the movie is in the book, just kind of wraps things up. And then we get to the Rose Garden. Where uh, she, she goes to, to the Rose Garden because she wants to go see the roses and there are guards out front and they won't let her in. And then Paler just lets her in. And I was like, initially, I was like, wait, why would you just let her in? And then I was like, oh, maybe intentionally? Yeah. Well, I think so when she comes out of the Rose Garden yeah. after talking to Snow and Paler says to her, did you find what you were looking for? And I think Paler yeah, knew, knew. And knew or suspected that snow was going to tell Katniss about the bombs. Yeah. And now I don't think like Paylor doesn't come off to me as the type who would be doing that with some kind of agenda for like self-interest. But I think she would feel that Katniss was entitled to that information. And that's what she says in the movie. Mm -hmm. They actually give her that line in the movie. She says she's entitled to whatever is behind that door, which I felt a little awkward and like, wordy in that moment like it felt yeah. like a weird thing to say in that moment when we don't know what's behind i don't know but i i think you're right i i absolutely think that's the case is that she she wanted her to know and i think even because she knew that katniss would then use that information to to do the right thing mm-hmm. whereas maybe and because i think it's the other thing and I'll, i have a note about this that we'll get to here 
um, in sort of my appraisal of the ending, is that I think Paler knows that Katniss is like the only person who can do anything about this information. Like yeah. nobody else can really do it, unless a bunch of them do. Right. But like Paler knowing this, if she does, by herself can't really do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> but Katniss actually can. I thought the actual scene in the greenhouse, speaking of, um, aside from Snow being like up and walking yeah, around not and, and not anyway. restrained. I thought then they nailed this scene. Oh, yeah. And Donald Sutherland acts the hell out of it. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. Yeah. So, like, subtle oh, yeah. and he, creepy. He's so good as Snow. He's fantastic. Um, yeah, they go through all the things that he, he can uh, apologizes for Prim. Yeah. Or not apologizes, but gives his condolences for, about Prim uh, and then tells him that it was Coin who did the, the bombs. Um, and that she's been plotting this whole thing from the beginning to kind of swoop in and take pre- uh, Snow's place. And then the final line is exactly the same, which I knew they would keep that one the same, where she's like, I don't believe you. Oh, my dear Miss Everdeen, I thought we had agreed not to lie to each other. It's a great line. Great line. Also, it's, uh, and I don't remember in the scene in the movie if it's implied in the same way, I think it is, that um, because in the book he specifically says like, Oh, the it was. Did you know it was broadcast live? That's mm-hmm. Plutarch's hand or something like that, and blah blah blah. See, this is a moment that I'm not sure. The movie I think leaves that out because again, they want Plutarch to be a little bit better mm, of a guy than yeah. he is. In the book, it's implied that Plutarch knew about this, yeah. and let it happen. Whereas in the movie, I'm not sure that that's the case. I think they kind of want Plutarch to be again a, more of a good guy than he ends up being in the book. And he kind of the implication that BT and Gail were involved in the bombs and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she does confront Gail about it. Um, yeah. They don't have that specific line about he, him not know. Well, he, they, there's a similar line because she says, was it your bomb? And he says, like, we don't know or something. like. Yeah, I, it's similar. It's similar. It's they, just yeah. slightly different. Um, and we, yeah. we already talked a little bit about the scene where Coin proposes a, a final symbolic Hunger Games. Yeah. Which is a funny thing to call it because it wouldn't really be symbolic. It would just be a Hunger yeah, Games. Yeah, it would just be a Hunger Games. <laughs> They're already symbolic in the same, like, yeah. it's yeah, it, it, it's just a Hunger Games. It's just it's, a Hunger Games. Yeah. Just with different children. If there even are any children left because you guys blew them all up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, some of the lines that made it through straight from the book where uh, Joanna saying snow even has a granddaughter. Yeah. And which, then, which that's interesting. Cause we didn't know that. Right. We didn't know that in previous and books. And so the movie's but, taking that yeah. and retroactively adding her to all of the, the yes, movies. The, the little girl that we've seen yeah. up to this point. Um, and then, you know, Bara let them have a taste of their own medicine. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the big moment, uh, she goes out to uh, to kill Snow, to execute Snow, and she shoots Coin. And I think I like this now. Not I think. I know I like this now. It ultimately ends up being the only course of action that kind of truly smashes the wheel here. Uh, and this is what I was mentioning a few minutes ago. She's literally like the only person who can do this. Yeah. Like anyone else who does something like this, they just execute them and move on. Like with the next... like. She's the only person who has the, you know, she's the figurehead of the movement. She's the only person that if she does this will raise questions and cause things to move in a way where they can actually install a real, uh, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. democratically elected um, government as opposed to 
one of coin like if somebody else had assassinated coin or um paler had tried to expose what had happened that that person just gets disappeared yeah and then coin keeps power or if they assassinate successfully assassinate coin coin supporters yeah um you know uh takes that person they go we did a dissenter blah 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 a a capital loyalist and then they you know they shuffle them off and disappear and then coins regime takes over still but katniss doing it nobody can accuse katniss of being a loyalist nobody can accuse Mm -hmm. katniss you know she, she is the only person who has the sort of presence within the revolution to 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 make this decision and do this um and actually like I said, and actually smash the wheel. Um, plus, she knows in this moment that Snow still, even if she, if she doesn't kill Snow here, he's still going yeah. to be executed yeah. or be like it's. It's not like yeah. he's gonna be like forgiven if she doesn't kill Snow. Um, but if he dies in the, right, if she kills Snow here in that moment, Coin wins. Nothing changes. We move on. And mm-hmm. so I actually really do like the ending now uh of her choosing to shoot coin i think it makes a lot of sense uh, yeah i think it's perfect and the movie like the movie scene is i other than Peta like getting his hand bit trying to stop her from i couldn't think of it being any different you know what i mean yeah like, it's, i don't it's know pretty how you, <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what i would imagine uh and then we get the so plutarch this scene was supposed to be plutarch and which would have been better with him delivering it because Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. is incredible, but uh, it, it's a little undercut by Hamish reading a letter, but we do get, this is my favorite, one of my favorite lines in or paragraphs in the whole series. Um, and it's something Plutarch says, uh, and they kept this in except it's Hamish reading it, which is we're in that sweet period where everyone agrees our recent horse shouldn't be repeated, but collective thinking is usually short lived. We're fickle, stupid beings with poor memories and a great gift for self-destruction. Although maybe this time will be it. And Katniss says, will be what the time it sticks. Uh, I just, I'm, they kept that all in word for word. Yeah. Um, essentially, except for changing because Katniss doesn't respond because it's a letter, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, my favorite. Like I said, it was my favorite paragraph, maybe in the series. One of my favorite paragraphs in the series, and I they kept it all in like word for word. I loved what this book and movie does with Buttercup, the cat yeah. at the end. Uh, Buttercup shows up back in twelve, um, and and Katniss is is yelling. She's not coming back. She's dead uh, about Prim, and then they basically help each other grieve. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. It's, it gives that moment where Katniss has to face her grief and voice it. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that I, I think that is slightly different is that um, they move the scene. And I like that in the movie. They move it before PETA Yeah, I shows think that up. makes sense. And so we get that moment of facing her grief. Then PETA shows up and we kind of get to heal, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like to that rearranging of when the scene happens, but it's very similar. And when Peta does show up, he's planting primrose bushes yep. outside of the house. Yep. Uh, and then they get the letter and find out Annie had a baby. Uh, and then we end on, well, then we end the main book on You Love Me, Real or Not Real. 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 There you go. Aw. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the movie kind of similarly truncates sort of Katniss and Peta growing back together over the course of like two pages. Mm-hmm. They have sex. She realizes Peta's what she needs like Peta's sort of rock steady uh 
positivity, not Gale's fire. Uh, she already has plenty of that herself, you know, kind of figuring out and whatever. I will say that I feel like having them have sex on the last page is sort of a disappointment <laughs> and sort of undercuts some of the the, the, the thematic messaging we've been discussing in, ter- in regards to uh, Katniss's sexuality, her asex- potential asexuality, the different readings of her. Mm-hmm. Again, not that none of that is to say that ace people can't have sex or don't have sex, and they, there's lots of different ways that asexuality represents and presents and all these sort of things. That being said, I do feel like just sort of haphazardly on the last, literally like the last paragraph yeah. of the page, um, it sort of presents her final ability to have sex as like this ultimate sign of her healing and her triumph. Mm-hmm. And like she has overcome this this character flaw. It feels. But yeah, ultimately, I think having her sort of overcome her potential slash I, I, again, because we don't it's never super textual. Right. We're, we're sort of, re, you know, these are all interpretations of, of Katniss's character. Um, but but presenting the uh, her her being physically intimate with Peta at the end does feel a- as this sort of like the final big moment. It's like the last thing before the book ends. Feels in some interpretations like it would definitely undercuts some of the other mm-hmm. character building we've done with Katniss and the whole. What again? If you're reading this through an ace perspective I, I could totally see why that feels like a complete betrayal of everything else her character has yeah. gone through and up to this moment and it just feels like a disappointing again not so much that she has sex but that it, it, it's presented but that as, is presented as like the ultimate triumph the ultimate for her. yeah the ultimate triumph for her the, the the thing that happens before the final pit you know line of the book mm-hmm. and is her her healing or what like this is you know um i think other readings, it wouldn't come across that way, but in 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 in, the, in some of the stuff we've been discussing in regards uh, to Katniss and uh, pretend her reading as Ace, it feels maybe not great. I don't know. It's yeah, a, it's yeah. But they do have two kids. They now. do. Uh, the epilogue Peta has to talk her into it yeah. for fifteen years. Yeah. And we we do get the last line. Of the book, still in the movie, uh, but there are much worse games to play. Oh yeah, she's talking to her baby. I figured they Which... would do some way to voice that because there had to be. They had to say that last line out loud. I thought we might because it's an epilogue. Just I get thought a we might just get a voiceover yeah. too, and I kind of wish that they would have gone ahead and done that because uh, to me it didn't work as well as it does in the book because I I I just like I read that last line with kind of a different like intonation than what she gives it in the movie. Mm, okay. So it ended up being kind of disappointing to me. I thought it worked. I, I, I get that. I, I, I get that. I can see what you're saying of, of feeling like there would have been a different sort of reading on it, mm-hmm. uh, that she would have said it differently. I thought that the way they, again, I think a, a voiceover in that moment because it is an epilogue works fine there. Yeah. Um, but I thought the having her kind of talking to the baby does work i felt like it it was fine um i i didn't mind it i it's not the worst thing in the world like it's not the worst tactic for them to have taken yeah i do i do think i would have preferred had they gone with a voiceover yeah and just said ah screw it it's the epilogue yeah we'll go ahead and do it yeah 
Uh, so I, I want to talk generally about the epilogue because I do have a lot of conflicting feelings about it. And I think that this is as good a place as any. Mm-hmm. I originally had this in just like my general notes, but since we're already talking about it, I just want to go ahead and voice some thoughts. So you already addressed how uh, the issues with how Katniss and Peta's relationship and them having kids creates kind of an ugly dissonance with some of the like asexual subtext. And I agree with that. Uh, I think making the ultimate happy ending and then they got married and had kids is allonormative, heteronormative BS. Mm-hmm. It's very Deathly Hollows. Yeah. Another it disappointing it, epilogue. It definitely is very Deathly Hollows. Although at least we didn't have to find out that they named their kids Finnick Boggs and <laughs> Primrose Rue. I mean, those are still better names, but at least we didn't get that. Yeah. And the thing is, I get wanting to include children in this epilogue because they are a good, succinct symbol for life flourishing and continuing on despite all odds. Yeah. Like, I get that symbolically. Yeah. But I think maybe the obvious answer for here is for Katniss and Peta to adopt. Mm. Like, there was a war on. Surely there are orphans kicking around. Yeah. And I I don't even think that Katniss would be opposed to being a mother. She mothers everyone she comes into contact with, for crying out loud. Like, the problem, as I said, is the allonormative, heteronormative, lazy, and then they got married and had kids and lived happily (laughs) ever after. And I, I think I would have been a bit more comfortable with the whole thing had it not been presented to us as PETA finally wore them, wore me down. Yeah. Like, that's gross. It ignores Katniss's autonomy in a particularly egregious way, I think, because Collins could have just as easily had her grow to change her mind. Like, people are allowed to do that. I think a generous reading is that is the case. Generous. I think it's generous. But I think if you want to give it a generous reading, it is that she grew to change her mind. But that is not how it's it's not how it's necessarily it's. It's a much more reasonable reading to think that she sort of got talked into it eventually. So the reason that we were given way back in book one for Katniss not wanting kids is that she doesn't want them to starve and struggle and get shipped off to die in the Hunger Games. I'm going to get a little personal here for a minute, and I want to preface that by saying, one, Please do not use this as an opportunity to debate with me or to try to change my mind. Please do not do that. And two, this is not me judging anyone for having kids. This is just me talking about my decision and the way that some people sometimes react to that decision. Uh So I am a 32-year-old woman and I don't want kids. There are a few reasons for that, but the main one is essentially the same reason that we're given for Katniss not wanting kids. The world right now is a shit show, and I have not seen any compelling evidence that it's going to get any better within my lifetime or within my children's lifetime. And I will I will not I will not put even my hypothetical children into a situation where they will suffer. I will not do that. And it hurts me when people respond by implying that I'm being melodramatic or selfish because I actually see that decision as being a good mother. 
I wish that more people recognized that for those of us who feel this way, that decision has really been taken away from us. If the series absolutely had to end with Katniss getting pregnant, I wish that Collins would have acknowledged that violation of her autonomy and had her look around, realize that things were better, and change her mind about it. But she doesn't even get the chance to do that, and that guts me in a way that feels incredibly personal and incredibly upsetting. I didn't put this into one of our sections because I wasn't sure how to feel about it, but I did want to talk about it a little bit. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about in the movie Coin Point Blank declaring herself interim president. Mm. Like, it just feels so on the nose. And I get that that's what we're supposed to assume will happen. But yeah. spelling it out to me felt a little bit like, hey, dummies, this is why Katniss shoots coin. This right here, big idiots, this is what's happening. Yeah, um, it does spell it out a little bit. And I think they kind of had to because they drop. There's so much other like little minutia in the book that's that sort of leads up to to the end mm -hmm. in terms of coin and her motivations and all that, that I feel like the, the movie doesn't have a lot of the movies didn't have a lot of time to deal with. Mm -hmm. So they, I felt like they kind of had to make it a little more overt at the end. Maybe, I don't know. I don't disagree though, that it is, uh, it's a little on the nose. So I mentioned earlier how the book never utilizes any of the special weapony stuff. Like, so we talked about this in the first Mockingjay or part one, that her bow that she can talk to mm -hmm. never like, anything like, other than what? turning it off, yeah. saying good night at the end of this one. Like that's a fine moment, but nothing else with it. Like it does nothing else. Um, her cool hood that like, it's a little thing, but her cool armor hood, there's never a moment about how it like she it's mentioned once. And then we never have any other details about it or anything. Her armor does save her life uh, when she gets shot by the bullet or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, we also there's a, there's a mention of uh, specifically in this one I mentioned earlier, Phoenix trident that is literally like Thor's hammer in the book. And there's never one description after it's it's <laughs> after it's introduced. Yeah, there's never one description of him using. it. No, and not even a little, not even a little. And I couldn't decide at first. I was like, maybe this is just again, because I, I think it's fair to say, like we said, Suzanne Collins, not a great action writer. So it could just be that action is in her focus she mm -hmm. introduced these things sort of as world building and it's just sort of interesting character things and then never followed through on them kind of forgot about them because doesn't really care about the action all that much yeah um or and i thought maybe this is interesting if that's on purpose hmm. um if there's somewhat of a subversion of some of these sort of typical action e like story tropes where you set up like because it is kind of like a james bond thing or in any number of war movies or whatever, where we introduce some sort of cool killing machine. Yeah. And then we get to see our hero kill people with it later. Um, and we get to be like, wow, what a cool killing machine. <laughs> and I do wonder if there's at least some intent behind introducing those things and then never giving us the payoff. Hmm. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. 
I could be. That's the only thing I can think is that it's going for a bit of a subversion there in terms of. Maybe Susan Collins just hates Chekhov. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it breaks a lot of those writing rules of like you can't introduce that Finnick has a self-returning trident and then literally never it comes into play. Apparently you can do that. You can do it. Apparently she you did can. it. And I don't know. Like I said, that I that's I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and think maybe it was on purpose as sort of a commentary <laughs> because because the whole books are so anti-war, anti-violence, yeah, anti yeah you know, glorification of violence. Right. She doesn't want to glorify killing machines. So setting us up with the traditional sort of like, Ooh, look at these cool gadgets, these cool fun things to murder people with. And then never giving us that, the payoff that we traditionally would be looking for feels like it could be intentional. That being said, she does use the explodey arrows to blow up plant. Like, yeah. So there is some, I don't know. It's, it's not universal that she doesn't pay off any of it, but it's enough that it feels weird. But it's enough know. that it's noticeable. Yeah. At least, yeah, it was noticeable to me. And the coolest stuff doesn't pay off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The only other thing I want to mention is uh, in the scene where they're talking about the, the symbolic Hunger Games, how good Jenna Malone looks with the choppy little pixie haircut and the <laughs> giant winged liner. God damn. Yeah. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. Uh, my last note, and I thought this would come up at some point before, and I don't know if this is the best place to talk about it, but it's we, we're out of time, and it's not in my final verdict. Um, so one of my overall issues with the narrative thematically is that, and it's, I don't even know if I necessarily disagree it, agree with it, but it is something that I found some some dissonance that made it, sort of frustrating is that so the overall message of the this of the the books end up being war is bad war sucks it's brutal uh people are suck they're self-destructive they're selfish um war is brutal it turns everybody into monsters uh you know everybody involved with like even the good guys are like killing children and um you know uh committing war crimes and all this stuff and I and I get that, and I, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, the impetus for the revolution, which we set up in the first two books, and I think what part of the reason why people dislike this third one pretty often is that she sets up this universe in one and two that absolutely 100% justifies the violent revolution yeah. that our rebels engage yeah. in. It is absolutely justified. It is the the capital is a brutal authoritarian dictatorship who is starving people to death and, you know, uh, 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 torturing people and and cutting off tongues and, you know, uh, turning people into slaves and whipping people in the square. It is as, you know, directly authoritarian of a, a horrible government as there can be. And the, revolution is absolutely justified. And the thing is, I don't think Suzanne Collins disagrees with that. The dissonance comes in when then in the third book, that revolution becomes this thing that we're supposed to question and look at negatively Mm -hmm. and go, Oh, look, they're, they're killing children. They're resorting to war crimes. They're doing all these horrible things. I think that's a good, so I think, Overall, her point is 
this revolution was justified, but look at what cost it comes. Mm-hmm. And I think her ultimate point is let's make sure things don't ever get so bad that we have to have a violent, bloody revolution. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with that. Like, <laughs> I agree. That's really bad and we shouldn't do it. But I do think it. the reason the third book becomes so sort of polarizing mm-hmm. in terms and unsatisfying to a lot of people is when you set up a righteous revolution narrative and then undercut it, it it creates this dissonance that is very unsatisfying. Yeah. Again, I think that's her point, and I think it's a really interesting point, and I think it's something to think about and is a worthwhile conversation to have. But it also feels a little bit like, what do you want, Suzanne Collins? You can't set up <laughs> an authoritarian, genocide, not genocidal, but, you know, the capital is every bad government ever. Like, they just mm-hmm. do all the horrible things. Like, short of genocide. They're not really genocide. Like, not really, at least. And so you set that government up, and then you, you're, it's like, yeah, we have to... There And there's no way to do anything about it other than a revolution. A, mm-hmm. a, a freaking um, electoral politics is not fixing Pan Am. Like, <laughs> and so it's... Again, I think ultimately what it boils down to is is a cautionary tale. Yeah. This, if we get here, it's bad. Let's never get to this point. Please fix things before we get to this point. Right? That has to be the message. I, I would think so. Like I said, I think it's just one of those things where when you set up the, 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 the world you way, the way she does in the first two books, it then makes the third book really hard to swallow when you're told... Oh, but maybe the revolution isn't so good. It's like, well, they were murdering everybody. Like, of course it's good. And and again, she knows I'm not arguing with her. I think Suzanne Collins agrees with all of this. I think that is her point. It's just, it's it's interesting because it definitely is a thing that is, it just, it makes for a much less digestible and satisfying mm-hmm. story. And is again, the reason, like I talked about at the end of the last, or the prequel or whatever, why this series turns into such a weird series in the third book for a summer blockbuster series, because, you know, in Lord of the Rings, you don't get to return to the King and get hit with like, well, but maybe, but maybe the, the, all of the forces of, you know, uh, fighting with Eric Gondor and all them are actually like as bad as like, they're also committing atrocities and like, you know, doing all this horrible stuff. We don't get that sort of moral ambiguity and moral grayness in Lord of the Rings. We just get to cheer as Aragorn, you know, fucking storms, uh, (laughs) whatever, um, storms the gates at, uh, Mordor and, and lets Frodo destroy the ring. We just get to cheer because our good guys are doing good things. True. But I will counter that by saying that the flip of that is demonizing races. True. Yes, absolutely. They're, 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 uh, yes, but that's, yeah, that's a whole different discussion, I think. But yes, yes. I don't, dis- <laughs> I don't disagree with that either. We've, we've talked about that a little bit before, but yeah, um, it's just, it is one of those things that's really, it, it, this, it becomes such an interesting thing because it, it, and I know it's why people dislike this. I have, even if they can't, even if people don't voice why it is, they don't, or have a, t- a tough time, sort of explaining why it is they, they didn't like the third one. Cause I think I would have when I was read it the first time, but I think that was probably what stuck out to me is just that dissonance of like, well, you set me up 
to root for all these people for very justifiable reasons. Right. And now you're telling me I'm I, I'm bad for rooting for them. Kind of like like, mm-hmm. you know, like they're doing bad things and maybe I'm bad for agreeing with them in the first place that they started this revolution. And again, I, I know that this is all the point of the book. It's just interesting. And I think that is why it becomes so polarizing. I don't know. Uh, but I, I but I do like I said I do like it and ultimately upon rereading it and and thinking about it more I really do get what she's going for and do like it and think it's um, a very poignant and relevant message that maybe is not always delivered to you know YA readers yeah so that was almost like a final verdict without the final verdict. <laughs> I have a whole final verdict still. Uh, before we get to that, let's go ahead and wrap up Katie predicting the Hunger Games trilogy. It's going to happen, Edward. I just it. So I had a couple Mockingjay part two predictions. <laughs> yeah. None of which I really got right. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you actually. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, my first prediction, Katniss will unexpectedly see someone she knows in District 2, maybe one of the old peacekeepers from 12, and will be thrown off her game by that. And that did not happen. No. Peta will pretend that he's gotten better, but he really hasn't, and will make another attempt on Katniss's life. I, I mean, see, you said no, and he doesn't pretend. He's not pretending. But yeah. I think you kind of can count this as a partial hit. Like, I, yeah, I guess I could. They think he's better enough to be, well, at least before, I mean, it's complicated by Coin intentionally sending him, right. thinking he might kill her. But I, there's a, at least points like where. Um, he seems to be getting better, he seems but he to be still getting has better, some like, but then regressions. he ends up snapping yeah. and trying to kill her again. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Once PETA actually is better, he and Katniss will get married for real. Maybe like a propaganda thing. Uh, it's, it's not a propaganda thing. Um, and I guess the book never actually says that they got married like explicitly. Yeah, we don't know. But uh, you would assume they probably got. Something. I mean, at some point, they at least have like a common law marriage, right? Yeah. yeah. And my last prediction was. But you did get the marriage for propaganda thing right. It was just not them. It was true. Yeah, we so did. That, we did have a propaganda that wedding. Plot point was at least in there. My last prediction was the rebellion will win, but Snow will somehow escape and Katniss will be paranoid about it forever. And the rebellion did win, but Snow died. So we don't have to worry about him anymore. Yep. There you go. Before we get to the final verdict, we wanted to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us there for two, five, fifteen dollars a month. Get different access to different things at each level. Starting at five dollars, you get access to our bonus content each month. We put out an episode, at least one, uh, discussing some non-adaptation or sometimes an adaptation, but often not. Other things that we're not doing on the main episodes. So, yeah, you can get uh, access to that for $5 a month. Uh, and then at $15, you get access to Priority Recommendation, where if there's something you really want to hear us talk about, give us 15 bucks a month, request it, and it'll go towards the top of our queue. We're scheduled quite a ways out at this point mm-hmm. uh, with requests and then our own, you know, desires for things to do. So it'll be a little bit, but we will get to it um, quicker than if you just ask for us to do something on, like, a Facebook comment or something. Uh, unless we're already planning to do the thing you ask about us. Yeah, that has happened a couple that, that times. That has happened. So if that, that's the case, you'll get it really quick, but that's that's just luck. That's not, that's not <laughs> us acquiescing to your request. You can also do us a giant favor by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, any of those places. 
uh, and uh, we, we post all kinds of, you know, extra content uh, all on, on there. And you can also give us feedback and we will read it in the prequel episodes and discuss. Katie, it's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. If I'm being honest... I still feel pretty torn here. Both of these movies made decisions that I enjoyed, such as including Effie in a fuller role, showing us scenes with Snow in the Capitol and across the other districts in part one, and putting in more effort to show Coin as a villain instead of just kind of villainizing all of 13 and by extension socialism. I do think the book ends up there. I think the book ends up But there. we get some collateral damage. Yeah, yeah, we do get some collateral damage, which we discussed in yeah, our part yeah, yeah, one yeah. review. However, I do think there were things that the movie didn't nail. For example, one spot where part two suffered was not adequately showing PETA's recovery. Mm -hmm. I think the movie tried, but ultimately fell short. Like we both said in our part one review, this is, again, the closest I've ever been to awarding better status to the movies in this whole summer series. However, I do think that I'm still going to give this one to the book. And much like with books one and two, for me, it again boils down to being outside of Katniss's perspective. So much of this book in particular is about her struggling with PTSD and depression and anxiety. And without that, I think the story ultimately loses something very meaningful, something that I suspect was one of Colin's ultimate points in the first place. I thoroughly enjoyed this revisit of the Hunger Games series. I think Suzanne Collins crafted a well-realized and engaging universe that raises ever-relevant political and philosophical questions and doesn't give the reader easy answers. Mockingjay epitomizes this unrelenting commitment to the series' political messaging, and even more so than its two predecessors, forces the reader to stew on the uncomfortable and painful realities of war, trauma, and political violence. You desperately want the story to end on your terms, but much like war, things rarely work out so simply. Both Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 do a fairly adept job at adapting a surprisingly somber and cynical finale into something that acknowledges the text's thematic goals while still attempting to provide a silver screen blockbuster that entertains its audience. I do think that this attempt ends up leaving the films feeling trapped in somewhat of a no man's land where they're a bit too depressing and ruminating to be fun rewatchable epics in the style of Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, the Narnia films or others, but also a bit too committed to at least trying to be those other films that we lose some of the more subtle messaging of the book. I don't know what the answer is here. I think they tried their best and it wasn't a complete failure. I just can't help but feel the two final movies are left in a bit of a strange place that makes them hard to nail down. My refrain from the beginning of the series has been of my memory of liking the books less and less with each sequel, and I can happily say that's no longer the case. It's really apparent to me now what Suzanne Collins was attempting to do with the series, and the increasing moral ambiguity of the sequels is something that I think can be tough for younger audiences to digest. 
My main issue with the book remains its caricature of a socialist society and the unconscious damage I think that can do to the image of the left, particularly in the eyes of young American readers whose political education is already so colored by a system that inherently dismisses any form of societal structure not based in robust capitalism. But the wider message of the series is so clearly in opposition to fascism, authoritarianism, and capitalism to some extent that I can deal with it. I appreciated the hard decisions Collins made with Mockingjay much more this go-around, and I enjoyed the brutal cautionary tale that she crafted. So to wrap up our summer series, I'm going with the book. It may not have been the finale many of us wanted upon our first reading of The Hunger Games, but I do think, in many ways, it's the finale we needed. Katie, what's next? Up next, we have our first patron request in a while. We will be talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer, the 1997 <laughs> film. What a fun change of and pace. <laughs> novel by Lois Duncan, yeah. I mean, lots of brutal deaths still, but uh, yeah. very it's different. Change <laughs> very of different. Pace. Um, <laughs> and, and we know what we did last summer as well. We did Twilight last summer. Yes, we did. And this summer, we did, yeah. Mm. There you go. Fantastic. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I know what you did. <laughs> I've never seen this. I've never seen it either. I had no idea also, once and you know, this happens a lot, but I had no idea it was based on a book. According to Wikipedia, it's loosely based on the book, so that ought to be fun. Okay, yeah, that should be interesting. That should be interesting. All right, this thing's already been epically long. We're at like 340, so <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this up until... Next time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.